Hello and welcome to the WCW vs. NWO podcast, the podcast that analyzes, dissects, and double swerves one of the most important eras of wrestling history. I am Dave, and today we are going to be breaking down a sold-out 1998. Whew, it's good to be back. We can't be winning these matches without our hot tags, and I got two of the best in the business. First, Fergus Looney, how are you doing, my friend? Good, good. It is very good to be back. Looking forward to talking about silly wrestling from 25 years ago. Give or take. Our favorite pastime, and uh, someone who can join us in that, Connor O'Donnell. How are you doing, my friend? Doing good, man. Yeah, it's it's really good to be back. I never thought I'd be this excited to talk about WCW, much less a sold-out. <laughs> Great step above uh, sold-out 1997. Yeah. <laughs> way better. No spoilers, but yeah. Yep. I was excited from the moment I saw the card. Maybe one of the better-looking cards we've gone over. But uh, let's not dilly-dally. We're going to change it up a bit this week, and Connor is going to tell us his opinions on his first dive into Thunder. We're we're changing things up here just because uh, with the introduction of Thunder, we can't really do the Nitro recap anymore because this is just way too much content to kind of recap in one thing. And I thought I was going to be able to, but Nitro also becomes a three-hour show permanently too. So how, how does WCW go on from this? This is just a... I think this is just a monumental turn in the company. I, I didn't think it was going to be this different just from an added show, but man, like, could you guys tell like, like how different the company is just from watching the pay-per-view? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think so. There, there's a lot of story. Like I think in previous pay-per-views, you have like four nothing matches that are thrown together where uh, we'll obviously like delve into it a bit deeper, but every story has a bit of a backstory here. There's a bit of a feud in almost every match here. Yeah, outside of maybe the the opener, and I mean, yeah. there is even still a little bit going on there with that. I, I I think it's fairly obvious what they're trying to achieve uh, with certain characters. There seemed to be more planning, even if the planning isn't great. Uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> so, but it's just the the turnover, the sheer amount of turnover of guys is the other thing that stands oh, yeah. out on this one for me. We get an influx of just random mid carders, which I think. We're, we're going to kind of go over who benefits and who doesn't through this sure addition of content that WCW has to put on. So we have an extra three hours of TV that they need to produce. But if you just had one Nitro per week, it's mainly the top guys. It's Hogan. It's your NWO. They're going to get a lot of the TV time. So now a lot of these mid-carders, they get a chance to shine. So we have guys like Marty Janetti, John Nord. Do, do you guys know who John Nord is? Oh, it's the Barbarian? Yeah. No, sorry. Uh the warlord berserker berserker oh. damn it <laughs> he likes making so many. fuck berserker <laughs> so many bad 80s gimmicks um, unrecognizable looking at him of course wcw they're more real so we're gonna use his real name and he looks like an 80s cartoon guy just <laughs> you could tell just the way he wrestled he wrestled barbarian it was a joke like i was <sighs> laughing through the match yeah gus you would love the match oh <laughs> I was like, man, that sounds great. I need yeah. to see that. Uh, like maybe the first like ten seconds is, but then it just gets sad. It's just yeah. like these guys. It can't go. He, he's got to be at the end of his career at that stage. Yeah, if, if I recall, I, I looked up a lot of these guys, and yeah, the, their careers did not go pretty far from 1998 WCW. But th- those other guys uh, that I have never heard of, uh, Tanzan, 
Black Cat. These guys are getting Black actual Cat. matches on Thunder and Nitro. This is the world we're living not, in. So the Tenzan's not Hiroshi Tenzan, is it? It might be. He is the so. guy. He was like in the NWO in Japan. Oh yeah, that that that's probably him. Yeah, that, he's a future New Japan okay. champion and everything. You said Hiroshi Tenzan. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's a future world champion for in Japan. Uh, yeah, just just shows just, up randomly, you know. Yeah. <laughs> He'd be quite young there. It's the same as Chono, right? Yeah, kind of. Chono had a, a more prominent role, but uh, so this was just like a. Oh yeah, we have some random jobber matches here. Although it wasn't mm. even a jobber match; it was just two Japanese guys. So <laughs> the U.S. crowd is like, "What do we cheer for here?" This yeah, I love it. Weird. Don't put don't put them with any of your established guys to get the crowd into it. Just throw two unknowns into a match on Thunder. I'm sure that will go over well. It's just excellent booking. Can you understand English? No. Uh, I guess you're gonna wrestle each other then. <laughs> yeah. You can obviously tell from this show the most prominent mid Carter that benefits the most. And I, th- I think it's another reason why is we have more TV time. So we get more promo time and Chris Jericho. Wow. <laughs> I thought the evolution of Chris Jericho became like more gradual organically is literally the, the next nitro after Starcade. He has the famous tantrum swinging the chair against the ring post to the NWO music in the background. You know, here's a guy that's working on his promo work behind the scenes and he wants to get out there more and, now he's there literally every week, sometimes twice a week. So that's the audience is now familiar with Chris Jericho. And finally, his personality is just shining through. Obviously, they give him something and he's a natural heel. So it's great. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's it's very all of a sudden. I do think it's still organic because people didn't like him, right? There's also like little booze for him, even though he was like out and out baby face for a bunch of this and even his move set was just like, get my spots in, show people what I got. And like, don't tell a story, just like, get it done. But uh, this is much improved. This is the kind of Jericho we love to see. It's funny to see it in the context of today with WWE having almost way too much time, but they're not using it in the kind of fashion that you're establishing, Connor, because everything's way too planned and organized. So nobody's able to do anything like Chris gets to. So they never actually get the chance to stand apart. And then from uh, the other main company in today, they're just not able to do it right now through no fault of their own. So people just don't have enough time to develop their characters. Complete, completely agree. And it's mm. just, we notice it more yet just because it's been this, this drastic change. Like all of a sudden it's just two hours every week with, you know, set, it's Saturday night. Now it's, wow, three extra hours. We need something to do. Hey, Chris Jericho, get out there. Oh, you want to talk? Sure, go ahead. But there's there's other guys that really haven't been like doing much, but they've really benefited just from just added a couple matches just every week. Guys like Goldberg, you know, we thought he took a step back from Starcade. He's obviously still very rough, but they did a really good job putting him in like opening matches on Nitro with a hot crowd to get like the momentum back on his side. So Goldberg definitely benefits from this. Just get the audience acclimated to these talents. Guys like Booker T, another guy that like, oh, this is just a tag team guy or whatever. Oh, we see him every week. Hey, he's pretty good. So there's a lot of title changes, which is, I think it's okay because it's the Cruiserweight title. The Cruiserweight title, yeah. as you can tell, um, Eddie Guerrero does not have it anymore. And you thought maybe it went to uh, Rey Mysterio just directly. No, it changed hmm. hands three different times. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to bring this up because they mentioned it during the match. 
or at the end of the match, really. And they go, Chris is a three-time Cruiserweight champion. I'm going, since when? We've only been watching the show for like a year and a half. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Well, that was just natural. But yeah, this went from, so Eddie lost it to Dragon. Dragon lost it to Hoovy. And then Hoovy lost it to Ray. This was Hoovy's all in like a span of like, yeah. <laughs> in a span of like just two weeks, it just went bam, 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 bam. It's kind of cool because this, they did build this division up as like very competitive and they have like some of the best like cruiserweights of all time. One, one thing I'll defend with the hot shotting a little bit. I didn't really think of till I saw someone's opinion on it. Sometimes they were forced to do it a little bit because these guys work in so many different companies still that they're kind of like, oh, we'll make Ray champion. Well, Ray needs to rest his knees and he's doing like seven other matches this week. Okay, so we need to take it off him because we like having it on TV. We'll make UV champion. Well, UV has to work for AAA next week. Oh, well, or whatever it was at the time. So they're kind of hot-shotting it a little bit. So sometimes people are... You know, go, oh, they didn't care about the championship. But I think it's kind of the opposite, where they love having this as their openers and on TV. So they're just trying to keep it on the people that will be around the next couple of weeks more and more. It, it just made TV exciting, I think, too, because yeah, yeah. first episode of Thunder, they had numerous title changes. So Booker T is now your television champion off of Tisco Inferno. Thank you. Thank God. <laughs> so definitely a, a fun direction, <laughs> fun for people to tune in every week. But... I think ultimately this does not benefit the business in general, at least in my mind. Like this is the first time a company added this much like primetime television. This and this just becomes status quo in wrestling just to this day. And I think it's a big reason why wrestling will never reach the heights of the eighties and nineties. Changed history forever, right? Like we're we're talking about this now and it's an interesting in this little bubble uh that is WCW at the time and it growing, but this changes wrestling forever. We've never looked back from this. And uh, yeah, while I can see it working now, because they do have a bloated, bloated roster, maybe just don't have as bloated of a roster. (laughs) You don't need three hours then. Yeah, I think you could go back. It would just take a long time to reprogram people. Like it's getting back the jobber matches, I think is the big thing. And reprogramming people's brains to knowing that you're not going to get three main event level matches every single week on TV. But that's very difficult. So, WCW, it was it was just the next step, and that's WWF. SmackDown doesn't come out, I think, until '99 as well, and then ECW gets their show as well. So it it really ramps up. So at the time, it's it's really this is still really fresh and it's working. And Thunder is a big deal off the bat. Hulk Hogan, he's on every show. He's on Thunder, which is I, I did not think was going to happen. So, and you know they they had a, a good main event too. They had Nash and DDP which is, it's a good main event, but that kind of shows where WCW, where they fall into a trap where it's, all right, now we need to fill our TV shows with good main events, and now the main events just kind of get used up. And then you kind of see this on this pay-per-view. Our main event, quote-unquote, is Lex Luger and Randy Savage, who already had matches on Nitro and Thunder. So it's like... I believe believe the term is triple main event from Buffer. Uh, Sure. (laughs) Sure. Like, come on. Triple main event. <laughs> it's it's a huge issue and like it stinks of WCW booking where they have I, I don't I don't mind the idea. I don't mind the logic behind we have so much talent and we can afford it. We're gonna have a bigger show. Like and they're gonna dominate the kind of the content being brought out by wrestling. Like at the moment they're dominating WWE and another show it's gonna bury them even further. I get the logic. But they don't take a step beyond that. As as Gus said, they don't bring in jobbers, they don't have these like 
matches that build up to pay-per-views all of a sudden and this is huge uh, will be a huge thing later in the podcast they're giving away these pay-per-view level events these like feud blow-off matches as main events of thunder and nitro and it, it's just bad booking i think i think it's a decent idea buried in some bad booking the luger macho man is a perfect example of it because they've already had this match twice yeah and one of them was on nitro <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And and this it's something that we're gonna have to talk about. It it just deludes we're diluting the WCW versus NWO even further. And we need to talk about the title picture because guys, this is <laughs> convoluted. <laughs> you know, Bischoff likes to say controversy creates cash. Well, I think in this case, controversy just creates confusion and it's just people don't care anymore. And I think a a big thing is just people don't like they don't want to hate the NWO anymore. They there's no reason to anymore. Do you guys know what happened after Starcade? Do you, you guys know anything? I, I can't remember if they've really described it accurately enough. Yeah, I know. I know it's like there's complaining about the fast count that never happened. So they go through with the angle even though they botch it. Like the count is so fast, it's unfair. We need to we need to strip the title from Sting. That's all I know about it. So my my big problem with this is the Nitro after Starcade, you know, Sting doesn't get a promo. Like <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a small detail that the WWF gets right during this time. It's like right after WrestleMania, whoever wins the title, they get that first promo, like the beginning of the show or the big storyline is the beginning of the show. And WCW doesn't do that. I, that really, really bugs me. That's pretty stupid. I get keeping him mysterious, but you've already popped the lid on that, right? You're past his mysterious silent stage because he's got his big, his big match now. Right, and if you don't want him to talk, there's there's other ways you can go about it. You can just like lift up the title. Just let the crowd know, hey, WCW has the title now. Yeah, this is our guy. Let us celebrate, have the NWO interrupt, whatever you want. Do it at the beginning of the show instead of like in the random middle part of Nitro. And that, that's what they end up doing. So what, what ends up happening is Hogan and Sting, they have a rematch because Hogan of course, rightfully complains that he's the true champion because of the, the bullshitty storyline that we didn't get to see. <laughs> and of course, WCW, they only show stills, so it doesn't, like, <laughs> Bischoff and Hogan, uh, like, look at the stills, like, th- look at, this is true evidence. Like, no, it's not really showing don't anything. Don't move until you see it. Don't move yeah. until you see it. <laughs> so they have their match, but Nitro goes off the air near the end of the match. Oh. Oh, I know. I hate, I hate this. I don't know why WCW loves doing this, but so the following week, the commentators assured that the tape machines were rolling, but they're not going to show you the footage. So they decide to save it (laughs) for the the debut episode of Thunder, which is a week and a half after that. I'm already not watching Thunder. If I was in this era of wrestling, I'm already not watching Thunder. I'm so annoyed already. Guys, like remember that awesome buildup that we had all that anticipation and now it's just, all right. Yeah. yeah. I'm done with them already. Knowing that this match has been taped and there was a conclusion, what on earth did the two lads do for a week and a half? <laughs> <laughs> well, Hogan claims he was the winner, but J.J. Dillon, of course, says, no, Sting is the true winner. The true oh, God. So, yeah. So so then we obviously we see it. There's bullshitty. For some reason, Nick Patrick comes in after Randy Anderson has been bummed. Nick Patrick, even though he's clearly not the referee, tries to count. Hogan thinks he won, but then Randy Anderson just gets up. Then the match continues, and then Sting <laughs> wins. It's, it's just oh. so convoluted. It's so <sighs> stupid. So then J.J. Dillon, he is determined to lay down the line in WCW, giving people fines, just holding everybody accountable. 
So he ends up vacating the title, which makes no sense. Makes it's, no it, sense. It, yeah, it's stupid. It's just a huge win for the NWO, but, which yeah, is but just. I, I always hated this. I, I, I get that good guys are good no matter what. But the amount of times Hogan's won through screwy means, and we're just like, well, I guess we can't do anything. He has the title. You just vacated it this other time. <laughs> that, I think that's why the crowd starts turning on WCW here. And we're going to talk about that during the show. That So Luger complains about this. Like, Dylan, where have you been through this whole time when NWO have been cheating? And it just makes Luger just look like a crybaby and just complaining. And that's all WCW has. So NWO hasn't been that evil lately. Yeah, that, that it's so... It's so you just like the people just want to see Hogan and Sting wrestle. Why can't you just have them do a normal rematch? And you can have Hogan say all this shit like I never lost that championship. It was unfair. It's fine for him to say it. But what's the point in stripping the title? It doesn't make it any more exciting. People don't see Sting as not the champion. It's the exact same just to go. Let's have a rematch at Super Bowl, you know, or let's have a rematch like or even wait for two or three months and have Sting beat another pleb and then Hogan still complains that whole time. It's so simple to book this. Literally a child I'm, that has never watched wrestling to book this. <laughs> I mean, we've gone like, what, five minutes probably talking about this and we haven't even included Scott Hall yet <laughs> and, his, yeah. and his role. It's, oh, it's so ridiculous. This is, they had such a good angle that went on for, okay, maybe went on a little bit long at the end <laughs> and they botched the landing or whatever, but it was so good, and they've absolutely yeah. ruined it in, like, two weeks. But, but oh. how, how good is that angle if you have, like, Sting has the title, that's it, he just has it, he's hard to get it off of, uh, Hogan keeps saying he's next for the shot, and then Hall kind of goes, wait, no, hold on, I am. I won I won the World War Three. It's so easy, and they've made it so convoluted. But I guess you have to fill three hours of thunder. Yeah, exactly. More on, more on that later. The, yeah. the other big storyline, as, as we conclude this kind of long-winded summary of the introduction of Thunders. Don't worry, Thunder's going to suck soon, probably. So we probably won't have to talk about Thunder much anymore. But the other big storyline that's going on is we have dissension in the NWO. So Savage, Ooh. he decked Bischoff, and Nash decked uh, Savage, and... Who, whose side are we on? So we're finally getting the tease to the, the Wolfpack, the NWO Reds starting to come together here. My favorite thing about WCW is how they just split, split into groups that like each other. You either divide by what nationality you are or you divide by who you like backstage. And they, they're not even subtle, subtle about it. There's all kinds of rumors that Hall and uh, Nash at this moment were not liking like the amount of... Uh, spot hogging Hogan and Savage were doing and uh, that a lot of them didn't like each other at this period of time. Well, since we're all caught up with what's happening on the new hotness thunder, let's uh, buy in to sold out 1998. WCW is requiring that Kevin Nash or the NWO post a $1.5 million performance bond for the Nash giant match on January 24th. I'm building the greatest empire. But now, like in Hollywood, there's always a catch. We put up $1.5 million free now, so that I cannot touch Kevin Nash or we forfeit. But you guarantee me he's going to be there. He'll be there. I accept your deal. I'm looking for more souls to buy. I don't care how much it is or what it takes, I just want him to show up. Hell hath no fury, like sold out. 
kind of weird opening video uh, by Bish there. He's uh, standing in that kind of like mansion, and I'm 100% sure that same scene was used in a Meatloaf music video before. No, what, no, what? no. It's it's beyond belief, man. He's totally ripping <laughs> off beyond belief. <laughs> yes, man, we're, yeah. pu- we're pulling from some abstract places here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is, it is really well shot. I, I do like yeah. that. Yeah, it's it's a lot better than some of the previous stuff we've complained about for sure. It's 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 a little, I guess, uh, goofy, I guess, but I, I think it's good. Yeah, Eric implying he's gonna buy giant, yeah, <laughs> <It's> a- <laughs> old fashioned. Mm. I kind of like his uh, cheesy tagline of he's looking for some souls to buy. I thought that would have been a nice tagline for soul out, but then he says hell hot no fury like sold out. Which makes no sense, which is a way worse tagline for the pay-per-view than, than uh, he's looking for some souls to buy. I think the eerie message is also undercut by the Snickers advertising under it. Like, yes, we, we want More 1998, souls. folks. Snickers, every pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah, it's so undercutting the message. But that's still a modern day thing. The WWE in the modern day have that. Like, who's going to go to hell? And then they have their charity going below the screen. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. guys, come on. <laughs> Come on, guys. Yeah, decent. A lot better than some of their openers and some decent production here, I think. The commentary team tonight start off with uh, Tony, Dream, and Brain. Still don't like that they're not using like NWO guys, right? This is the NWO pay-per-view, and it's not really being talked about at all. They've killed the branding, though, for this one, I think. Yeah. It's a good decision that they did that. And to give a frame of reference, uh, this show... More feels like a nitro. Doesn't really feel like a pay per view. Yes, yeah. Which yeah. is fine. I mean, the this, this, this set looks like shit. I mean, it's it's not as it bad does. looking as the one last year. Last year sold out was just they were trying something different and, and ended up being shit. But this was just like eh, normal looking show, guys. Nothing yeah, to see here. It looks like they've just put stickers over the nitro signs. Like oh, I guess we have a pay per view. <laughs> Stick some sold out stickers over the nitro signs. It's like the equivalent of an in your house, just with even less production value. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But even even the yes. card, like the card from the previous one, we said the same things. It's like, why isn't every match an NWO guy versus a WCW guy? Only actual like three matches that have NWO guys versus WC four, maybe the actual rivalry that's supposed to be the center of the company. One thing that doesn't seem like Nitro though is this building is super small. Like Nitros are constantly in. They had their first show at the Georgia Dome. Like yeah, huge yeah. buildings. Same thing with Thunder. Huge buildings that they're doing. So I hope somebody got fired for this one. This is just a bad booking. <laughs> Well, I kind of like it because it feels very noisy at times, especially for the opening like three <laughs> matches. There's a lot of noise. At times there. is an understatement there. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is nice to have uh, Bobby back in commentary, though. He, is, he has come to his senses. He said, oh, I was with WCW all along, of course. We've said this before. He never actually jumps over, right? They just keep hinting right. it for like years. Just every now and again, they go back to, oh, Bobby's dastardly. He could jump at any time, but he never ends up actually doing it. Spoilers. Dusty not wearing a suit. I was suspicious from the start. It, I was like, wait a minute. That looks odd. He looks bulky. And we'll, we'll, we'll probably get to why he looks very bulky <laughs> yeah. later. The hat is what uh, twigged with me. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go straight into match number one of the card. And we get another uh, Luchador flip fest. I don't know what to call these. Extravaganza. Extravaganza. <laughs> UV, Super Kahlo, Liz Mark Jr., and Chavo Guerrero versus La Parca, Psychosis, Silver King, and El Dandy. Couple uh, newbies to the podcast. I think this is the first El Dandy match. First El Dandy and Silver King, I believe. Yeah. 
Uh, the, this is quite star-studded. These are a lot of very good wrestlers in one match. And a, a, a Dark Secret's going to come out here. I hate La Parka and his whole shtick. Whoa, really? I'm not a fan, really? I'm not a fan of it. I hate it. It just gets so right, hold, old hold so fast. Oh, no, we got to go back here, yeah. You're no not getting way. away with this. Are you going to say El Dandy <laughs> is better than La Parka? Uh, El Dandy is fantastic, but El Dandy's fantastic oh for a very God. specific reason. He's involved in the best Bret Hart promo of all time. Have you heard the best Bret Hart, uh, Bret Hart promo of all time? No. When he's a heel later, and Mean Gene is like, uh, he's like, oh, who's going to challenge for, I, I won't spoil what title he has, but who's going to challenge for the title? He's like, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of uh, wordy opponents out there. Maybe Al Dandy will have a shot. And Mean Gene like, oh, gives okay, out yes, to him. I have seen this. <laughs> yeah, Mean Gene gives out to him. He's like, how dare you besmirch El Dandy? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've, I've been sizing up guys since I came to the WCW. And I think the one guy that stands out the most, the guy that I think has earned a title shot, El Dandy, I think you're a heck of a wrestler, you're a great technician in the ring, and you're a jam-up guy. Whoa. I don't see any Whoa. reason... Wait a minute. El Dandy has been wrestling in, in, in the cruiserweight division here, please. He's a great wrestler. He's a great wrestler, but my goodness sakes, there's 50 pounds Who are you to, to, to doubt El Dandy? Because this guy's a serious professional. Well, let's talk I think I remember seeing this as a kid. Like, as a kid... I knew a wrestler with a name L Dandy was just bottom tier. Like, <laughs> yeah. But he, he like he runs through a bunch of people. He's just so sarky. He just names a bunch of plebs. Like he buries a bunch of people on the roster by naming them as possible challengers. He proper does like a Dwayne Johnson on them and just buries people's careers for no reason. <laughs> Thinking back, I knew the cruiserweights got like a bad or like the luchadors got like a bad rap. I, of course, you have Jericho making fun of them in the the battle royale, which we're going to see in like a couple months. So, so we'll see some of these guys in there. These guys are awesome. I didn't realize how awesome Silver King is and Liz yeah. Mark Jr. and Super Kolo, as, as Tony says, like these are awesome guys. They, they should have this uh, rule for tag team wrestling full stop. Never mind yeah. eight man tags. It should just be, you are, you're out of the ring? Okay, your partner can come in. Cool. Okay, so Tanae introduces that. Has that ever been shared before? No, they, they were tagging before, but they were messing up a bunch. As far as I know, this is, is a luchador thing, where they're like really soft. They're the same in Japan. They're very soft with the rules. And the people break them. It's like, whatever. It's Everything is said. If a rule is broken, it's up to the ref's discretion, right? The ref is deciding to do it. But yeah, if you remember some of the other matches, it looked like some of the guys were getting very confused with the tag flow because it's not what they usually do. And this match flowed way better because of it, I think. We're going to play a little game before we get into the match, and it's who's the face here? I have no idea what team is supposed <laughs> to be the faces. I was going to say the Parker's team are the bad guys because he's swinging the chair and threatening crowd members with the chair before the match. But that's just kind of his team. So is he the heel team or... I, I think you have to go and on the assumption that the people wearing black are, are heels generally. Yeah. Okay, so like the Parker psychosis. I, I, is Juvie yeah. a face then? Is Juvie a face? I thought he was a heel. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, people he would still, be. They love the 450. Yeah. Yeah, th- that's a very over move. I, I guess the second team, the first team has very kind of Mexican team music, and the second team are like a metal music. Yeah, that's who. Yeah, Juvie's music and La Parca's music. Yep. Yeah, so that, that makes some sense. This match uh, starts off a bit slower than we're used to seeing the Luchadors with uh, Psychosis and Kahlo doing some actual face heel work. Very surprised to see. And Kahlo gets in his fantastic run-up run up someone in the, ter- in the corner spot, which still impresses me all these years later. Bobby with some great commentary. 
you know eventually all eight of them will be in the ring. They can't control themselves. <laughs> yeah. like, wow. wow. Like, Bobby. sweet. Bobby's on focus tonight. Yeah. You have a better uh, comment from today, though. Uh, describing Silver King's weight, he's deceptively stocky. <laughs> yeah, he is. It's true. I, I didn't expect that. You don't have to say it like it is, though. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's the most backhanded insult of calling someone a fat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't expect him to do the things he did. I'm going to be honest. When I saw him, I mean, this is like a Dean Malenko type, but now he's out and out luchador. He lights up Lismark with some chops as well. Jeez. Fucking awesome, man. Him and Lismark. I would love to see them in a singles match. I'm, I'm sure we can get some bootleg old Mexican wrestling bouts with them in it. Uh, but yeah, I'm super glad I get to see these guys. I've never heard of half of them. And I think I said this last time I saw Lismark Jr. He would just smoothly fit in with today's wrestlers. The biggest pop of the match, even though I think the crowd are pretty hot for it, is just Laparka's dancing. And this is why I flipping hate Laparka. <laughs> the guy's <laughs> working working their ass off in the ring, and he just does his like knee shuffle stuff, and the, the crowd just love it. Look, man, uh, Laparka, he just he's he loves hitting the taunt button. He's just yeah. he's <laughs> spamming it. It's great. That's all I remember him from from uh, the N sixty four games and just spamming his his yes. crap. That's oh, yeah. all I remember. Oh, yes. But hey, you got to stand out somehow, man. And when everybody else is doing flips into infinity, what what are you going to do? Yeah, so. he, he's he also not filling up his bump card, right? Like Gil Parker had a pretty long career, if I remember right. I just his, hate his, his gear too. I was about to say, I I hate his gear. <laughs> that was what? one thing. He, oh my god, he looks like he's in a cheap Halloween costume. You're ragging on this, and you're telling me the flock is great, man. You suck. <laughs> oh, so good. I can't wait to get to that again. <laughs> yes. But Raven is mostly good and Kidman, the rest of the flock. Anyway, the only like botch of the night, usually they're a little bit botchy because they're trying to get all their stuff in, is uh, UV misses like a roll-up. He does like a run and a roll-up. But Silver King recovers really well. He just turns it into like a weird pin. And it's better than UV just landing on his ass and no one doing anything. Yeah, even Laparka kind of like stumbles on the uh, on, like the apron. Yeah. But like they transition so quickly away from it that it's like, oh, whatever. It didn't happen. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, you don't get the exact spot and you want, but like I kind of like that sometimes. Like, no athlete is perfect, you know. Every American football player falls sometimes or trips, you know. It's it's just sport. Tony comments that like Laparka just he picks up a Hoovy like for like a body slam, and Tony just says, and he just puts them down. Explain that one to me. And just, <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to make comments like that for a match like this. Like it's everybody knows it's a spot fest, and I just I have fun. Like, yeah. Just have fun. And like, I think WCW did like a great job booking this match for once. Put it yep. in the opening match. Yeah. And uh, the crowd's loving this. Yeah. And they even have a really good, clean finish to it as well. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. Each wrestler gets in like all their big stuff before another wrestler comes in, breaks up the pin, takes their turn in the ring because their partner slides out. The commentators are all over the place, not only commenting on stuff like that. Brain is not enjoying this free flowing style and it makes multiple comments of like, well, I guess he's in the ring now. <laughs> I actually love it, and it's a really good excuse to get in this like really fast. This this is under ten minutes with an eight man tag. We get six dives to the outside for the huge spot of the match. Each wrestler using a different spot, leaving um, Chavo and Psychosis in the ring. Chavo finishes uh, the match with a tornado DDT. Was that Dory Funk's finisher? I it must remember. be, yeah, because Eddie does the same move like frequently too. So yeah. Yeah, and I, I like they're both trained in Texas, right? They're both from Texas, so that would make that would make some sense. Anyway, leaving uh, Chavo to pick up the win, 
I think I'll go on record here. That might be Chavo Guerrero's only win of his career. I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> the only time Chavo Guerrero's ever won anything. <laughs> Uh, after this, of course, Slip Parker comes in and has to hit people with the chair. And, of course, the crowd love it. They go mad for it. The chairman of yeah. WCW strikes again. Because he's over. He's, he's so super over. over. <laughs> he's, like. so, he's so silly over. Maybe that's what annoys me about him. Not anything in particular. Just how over the nothingness is of his, of his gimmick. What do you mean, what's his gimmick? He's a skeleton that likes chairs. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> It's just because they're not cheering for the flock, Dave. I think that's what it is. It is, yeah, it is, it is true. <laughs> yeah. This is true. But hey, I, I I enjoyed this match. It was a match. Like when I looked at the card, I'm like, eh, another Lucha tag match. I'm like, come on. But I, no, I thought this was fun. I get right spot in the card and it just get people have, have some fun, get, get people ready for the show. And I thought it was pretty successful. Good energy. Yeah, real good energy about the match. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, this is tons better than the starfish spot one uh, for sure. <laughs> Uh, it's just loads of fun it's more fluid they play a bit looser with the rules and all everybody gets to get their stick in and there's a logical ending to it and you get to see the most over person in the match get his retribution yeah so what you're saying is la parka made this match awesome i agree yeah <laughs> uh when's he an nwo member that's what i want to know that's that's what i'm waiting for i wouldn't be surprised Surely he's in the Latino world yeah. order. At some I, th- point. I think he is. Yeah, I, th- I think he, he gets his own special NWO costume or something stupid. Um, me, 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 ages the event a lot by mentioning the news with Clinton and the Pope. I didn't even know what that was in reference to. He says uh, backstage he couldn't help but notice some prominent names of the industry, and he can tell us about it. Of course, if we spend our life savings calling his hotline. Match number two of the night, we get Raven versus Benoit. This is a continuation from the last pay-per-view. WCW are kind of putting a stop to the Raven rules shenanigans that Raven's been putting in place. It's still a Raven's rules match, but he's forced to fight. And that's confirmed by Dave Penzer before saying uh, he must wrestle and the flock are barred from ringside. So the flock has come down with Raven, but they're all told to go back, go back home. They all get their appearance fee for being there for two and a half seconds. Strangely, Perry Saturn nowhere to be seen, though. Yeah, they look great. All the soccer moms showing up to the to the event with their sweaters uh, around their ankles. God, they look so ridiculous. And I will so say, pointless. I will say Billy Kidman looks great. The rest of them aren't doing fantastic. And you know why? He's not wearing a sweater. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is very much. Yeah, he's consistent with his gimmick, man. He's always like scratching his face. Like even when just like cut, random cutaway shots on Nitro, he's he's still there in this character. Yeah. But, Brilliant. But yeah, Kidman has dedication. He also looks like he's a young, kind of impressionable guy Raven can get to. The others are just these muscle-bound idiots that are following him around. And it doesn't yeah. really follow the... Yeah, the, the, the goggles don't do it for you. <laughs> you know, the steampunk <laughs> goggles. Or the fishnet tops, yeah. That no, that's have nothing to do with grunge. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Two people in this thing look like they've ever listened to like a grunge song and that's about Raven and Billy Kidman and the rest of them just seem thrown together. Like Hammer is the worst. Hammer is, that's his name, right? Hammer is the absolute fucking worst. He's a, he's just yeah, a drag. One guy is named Hammer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will agree. Like I like the gimmick. A Perry Saturn, I think also fits in like his look again, looks like yeah. he, he looks like what he kind of is. He's an ex military guy that's being influenced by a cult re- leader. Hammer looks like he's a guy paid by WCW to be near Raven, which is exactly what he is. 
But we're going to finally get to see some. Uh, I maybe disagreement from my uh, my coworkers here, but uh, I, I like Raven as a wrestler, and I'm kind of looking forward to seeing him and Ben Watra down here. Yeah, it's actually nice to see him in a proper match because we we saw him wrestle Riggs, but I don't know R- Riggs doesn't really do do it for anybody. I think. So. Yeah. Yeah. Not Once whatsoever. again, society has tried to make me conform to its rules. They've left me all alone, but I've been left alone before, for weeks at a time as a child. No. I was friendless all through school. I don't need anyone. And Benoit, I don't fear your pain. I'll feast on it. Quote the Raven, nevermore. We are we'll certain- quote, yeah. yeah, we'll quote this Raven, get the flock out of here. Yeah, before the match, uh, when the flock is sent away, we get a mini promo by Raven in the corner. He says society has been making him conform all his life, and they're doing it again here. He doesn't care if he's alone because he didn't have friends when he was a kid. Not one of his best. <laughs> I'll put that out there. Not one of no. his best to start this match. At least it's short. Is is that perhaps because he has a bit of a sulky face over the eventual result, maybe? Maybe, actually. Ooh. Do you think? That's- <laughs> that could be actually. Uh, I, I was. I, I do have noted that I don't like the result of this match. So, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, I would be sulky face if I were Raven. But we'll uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. Benoit out again, and Jesus is his music generic. With his still cowboy top, even though he's not in the Four Horsemen, and his generic music, he really needs to get a gimmick at this stage. I think. Even regardless of that, surprisingly, how over he still is though is just. Yeah. Testament of how good of a wrestler he is. Yeah, 100%. Raven starts off, doesn't even let Benoit in the ring, drop kicks him straight away. And for some reason, the ref thinks this is fine and rings about to start. Don't both men have to have been in the ring to start a match? Is that not a thing? New Raven rule. New Raven rule. Just start the match the minute yeah. Benoit's in the stadium. Just ring the bell. He's in the locker <laughs> yeah. room putting on his boots. He just hears a bell in the background. Like, what the fuck? You just got to hear that music. Doom, doom, da, yeah. ding, oh, God. Ding. God, there's, there's probably some weird Pavlov's response there that you've just tapped into. With, every time he <laughs> yeah. hears a bell. Uh, Benoit goes for a quick roll-up. And again, I've said this multiple times, I think, on the cast. I hate this. It's a grudge match. They hate each other. They want to bite each other's faces off. They do gross things to each other in the match later. Why is Benoit trying to go for roll-ups so he can just get out of there? I really want to hurt this guy. I want to get him alone. Don't let him put the flock in anymore. But I also want to finish the match in two and a half seconds, if that could be possible. It's, it's got to be just like a, a secondary like reaction from wrestlers. It's just there. Yeah. It's probably instinctive. Yeah, it has to be. I think the only explanation I ever liked when a commentator pointed this out to a co-commentator, they said um, he's wearing him down. He doesn't actually want to win there. He wants to make Raven kick up. Hmm. Nice wants, commentary from WCW. Uh, I, I don't know if it's this. I don't know if it's WCW, but it was. Yeah, I didn't this, think so. It, didn't sound it, like it was in this era of wrestling. <laughs> I can't remember what company it was in this era of wrestling that said that. He's like, yeah, he's wearing them down every time. He, every time he needs to kick up, you know, you're on top of him. He needs to kick up that so much energy. I like Brain's work in this, by the way. I like uh, he's building up Raven because he's Raven's kind of made to be a coward, look a bit of a coward because he's not confronting people. But Brain tells us that uh, he's been a champion all over. He's not a coward. Once he's in the ring, once he's fighting, he's extremely tough. And you shouldn't take him like, uh, lightly. Yeah, I think that was a cool aspect of this match just because we get to see Raven actually do some vicious stuff. And he's an athletic guy. He can he can go toe-to-toe with Benoit. Yeah, it doesn't take long, long for Raven to get the chair involved, smashing Benoit a couple times on it and getting a bulldog onto the chair. 
I like to see that Benoit takes most of these shots to the back and they're even yeah. actually kind of works pretty yeah. safe for a lot of it. To begin with, maybe. Yeah. Raven actually actually takes the more stiff bump with the dropped hole hold. Yeah. I mean, mainly with his hands, but it sounded great though. It's good camera angle too. Yeah, you kind of just have to throw your head into it. Yeah. We get Raven controlling until that top uh, drop throw hold, but then uh, Benoit gets to kind of um, go crazy, chasing Raven around, just chopping the crap out of him. The, it looks like, honestly, there's points where Raven doesn't want to take, like, legitimately doesn't want to take chops anymore. And you can tell because he doesn't let him do second ones. When he hits one, he'll cover his chest and hit the floor. <laughs> and I think that's asking Benoit not to, not to keep going. Chris also keeps trying to snap suplex uh, Raven onto the chair. And misses by miles, <laughs> like not, not close. And the commentary have to cover up because oh, he got the he got the point of the leg right in the back. No, he did not. He is not near that chair. Yeah, Dusty has to say that. <laughs> it's not great that, but it's still good snap suplexes. Though there's one spot, and it's it's the vocal point of the match, so we're going to go over it. But it's very ugly, and it's the flying headbutt by Benoit onto Raven with a chair covering Raven's head. And it's because Benoit just clatters with his head. He doesn't protect himself with these headbutts at all. He just full-on flying headbutts a steel chair on the ground. It's kind of gross. Did you guys notice this? I kind of watched it once or twice over. Did we notice it? Of course we noticed it. <laughs> they show a replay of it in slow motion. Yeah. Like yeah. See his brain melting. So I've seen a lot of wrestlers in recent years come out against that move and i'm like no come on guys there's a safe way to do it and i'm sure they pulled up their head or they put a hand in front of it as they landed benoit never pulls up he just nose dived head first what is the point no one would notice the difference if you covered your head or not it's it's really sad it well it's it's sad to, to look at because the crowd actually get behind benoit which i think is like the first time really that like we're hearing like genuine benoit chants yeah. You know, this isn't like just horsemen, chance or, you know, anything like that. This, this is clearly we are behind this guy because he just did fucking ridiculous spot. Yeah, this this is him becoming Chris Benoit. Like this is yes. the character that we that we know in the mid 2000s that becomes champion. This is the guy that takes those chair st- shots while doing diving suicide dives like by, by chris jericho later in his career for sure it, it is kind of sad but it is it is the character we get to know and love later on in his uh wbf run i'm glad like I, I i've been very vocal saying that i don't understand why he was so over at this stage i think i've not enjoyed one of his matches yet besides maybe kind of the one against haku but uh, i'm enjoying this one after that a uh, very ugly spot both men do the down till eight or nine and Benoit finally rolls over onto Raven for the 2.9 count. And I think that's a pretty earned spot. Unlike we'll go over a couple of them later in the night. Chris goes for a sudden light suplex, but uh, gets reversed and kind of a jumping raving effect DDT, which looks brutal for another eight count before somehow Benoit is the one that covers again for two. Raven wants another DDT after this, but Chris reverses it into a cross face. Raven doesn't end up tapping. He kind of smiles and shouts yes in a very off-putting way yeah yeah just laughing and then raven uh passes out and uh, the match is called kind of kind of like this because you at least if raven's gonna lose you want him to protect his character somewhat but uh it seems a bit awful to make raven lose in his first actual match like his first kind of proper match i guess he he fought riggs before this 
so soon after his debut. What do you mean so soon? It's been like six months. <laughs> I guess. I guess it has been. It's only his like his second or third match, though, right? Yeah, but yeah. he's still been around for a while. Like this it's is not true. that he's fresh. This is very true. I do. I do agree with you. I don't know why he's lost because they they must not care about the character already. He must have messed up somehow because they obviously wanted him for a big reason and then it just didn't work. So this this feels to me like they're giving up on him. There's a bit of a history of this with w, uh, ECW guys, right? That they seem to love them when they're doing kind of the arty independent work. And then a lot of them end up just kind of getting nowhere, getting very strange gimmicks. I, I thought Raven would do a bit better because this is uh, like a bit of a diluted version of his gimmick, but a pretty direct kind of version of his gimmick. It's, it's not like Mike Awesome becoming the fat, what was it, the fat girl trilla? Mike Awesome, that 70s guy? 70s guy, yeah. Yeah, so it's not like that kind of butchering. But No, I, I was actually kind of surprised you guys came up with that. I mean, I, I, I thought this match was really, really good. Oh, yeah, yeah, I no. Thought... Don't get me wrong. I think this match is great. Yes. I just, I, I think he should have won. I, I think if you're going to go with him, go with him. But, so I think sure. they're done with him. I, it's it's hard because I know what happens to Raven in the next couple of months, so yeah, it's it, hard to look at this ob- objectively. Yeah, I was about to say, it might be a hindsight thing. We all know that Raven doesn't have a fantastic relationship with WCW long term. So no. it's easy for us to see the writing on the wall already. But may, maybe that wasn't the feeling backstage yet. But yeah, Chris can also afford to take a loss here is the other thing. Like you're trying to develop Raven in his first year in the company. Chris can take a loss and be fine, especially if it's a numbers game. Like if you really want to get a flock member to do something, like you, you didn't have Saturn come out, have Saturn come out, brainbuster and matches over. It's easy. End of the day, I thought these guys had great chemistry. I would have loved to see these yeah. guys go in ECW. Surprisingly, they did not face off. I, I oh. wanted to double check if they had any matches because they were both in the company in '95. Just didn't get there. You know, Raymond's gimmick. We we, we said it's kind of lame, but I I don't know. I, I'd rather see Benoit wrestle here instead of the endless feud with the dungeon. So I, I, th- I oh, think 100%. this is, I think this is well booked. Yeah. I, I did. I, I enjoyed the match as well. It doesn't have to be much longer than this either. I, I think they got their point across. Obviously I don't like the Benoit headbutt, not only for health wise, but I never got the logic of I'm going to concuss myself in this match. Like kayfabe, I'm going to concuss myself in this match. That'll teach my opponents. You know, I never, I never really got that concept. But uh, I, I think this is Raven's best outing so far. I think they both have really good in, in chemistry. I would have liked to see a bit of a longer match. I'm not sure where the feud goes from here, but hopefully they get get a little bit more to develop, or Raven gets his win back. But I, I'm, I'm going to guess they, he doesn't. Well, they involve Dean, so maybe this tag yeah. match or something well, on Thunder. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> After the match, uh, Kidman nonchalantly. I love how nonchalant Kidman looks through everything. Like He does not give a fuck about anything that's happening. Uh, tries to attack after the bell, but he gets cut off by Malenko. Malenko uh, clears the whole flock, and the unlikely allies of uh, Dean and Chris are left in the ring for a respectful glare. They don't even shake hands. Just stare at each other for a second. Manly stares is all you need. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, perfect ending. <laughs> match number three of the night Chris Jericho versus Rey Mysterio Jr. this is for the Cruiserweight Championship which Rey has now we spoke about this earlier the title has been hot shotted around a little bit for excitement on Thunder and we talked about Chris earlier in the cast 
starting to get his deluded heel that I love it. The heel that thinks they're a good guy gimmick is one of my favorite. And Chris is doing a perfect whiny good guy heel. He's coming down to his same old music. He's like still cheering as if the crowd is cheering him. Hands up in the air, huge baby face smile on. Great stuff. Yeah, it's kind of cool that the the story here too is uh, Ray has always fought from beneath, and he is not hundred percent for this match. And it's pretty much the whole match is kind of revolves around his uh, limping knee. Yeah, it's super awkward. Once you know the yes. actual truth. Yes. <laughs> What's the actual truth? Uh, he's super injured here, Dave. <laughs> oh, like, is he? he goes away for months after he this. He goes away for a while. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, he, has the, he has the knee brace on, right? This is the... Yeah. I, was gonna, I have a comment here. The first, this is the first time we see him with a proper knee brace. And uh, we see him with knee braces for a lot of the rest of his career, unfortunately. Yeah. The first time I watched this, they kept, they kept referencing his knee. And I was like... Man, and the weird thing is, is that Jericho just really isn't going anywhere near it. And Bobby even brings it up. And then I was looked afterwards, I was like, oh, he was legit injured. That's why he never went near his knee, because he didn't want to, like, ruin his career <laughs> at that point. <laughs> it's, yeah, he's super, super injured at this point. And wow, I'm still wrestling. That's I'm still doing some of the stuff he does in the way it is. Yeah. yeah. Now that you say it, it's not his most athletic match. He still does some stupid Rey Mysterio stuff, of course. But it's not his most athletic match he's had. It's not even his most athletic match with Jericho that he's had. So, uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I like Jericho's. This is what I mean by he had like a very bland moveset before. I like everything Jericho does now is followed by moaning at the ref that it's unfair. Every time yes. Ray gets in one I move, he's that. like, ref, why'd you let him do that? That's so bad. Like, I love that. It's really good. Really, these small things add so much to the match. Yeah, it was really cool seeing the image of Jericho kind of like he stuck his face into Mysterio, just kind of seeing the height difference between the two. Yeah. It just yeah. made him seem like such a bully asshole. Yeah, it's so great. It's it's really great. We're starting to see some proper personality. There's a little spot that I liked, but it was because it was so useless and it made Jericho look even more dorky. When he took out the ring steps to have a running start at Ray, and he just like runs up the ring steps and does a flying knee. That wasn't needed to be assisted by the ring steps at all. He can just jump that high naturally. So it was this like really weird build up for this really like crappy like flying knee. And Ray is also quite short, so like you don't really need to jump high to hit Ray in the face. You kind of have to undershoot it if anything. As we said, the whole match is kind of revolving around the injured knee. What I like. Uh, and they don't do this that often, is that they don't even have Jericho hit his knee. As you said, they're protecting it. They just have Ray land on his feet at some stage and start to favor one side. Uh, he still gets a springboard sent on to the outside, which I imagine must have been agony. I'm not sure why he's still doing these moves, even though they're they're working the knee for the match. They look amazing, and he did it perfectly here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he, the yeah. crowd loves it. <laughs> Nails it perfectly with half a knee, with his actual ligaments hanging off. Apparently, uh, Ray also goes for the West Coast pop, uh, but Jericho hits the ropes, making him land hard on his knee again. His knee is actually oh injured, and just Ray throws his knee onto the ropes like he, like it's not his at all. It ends when Jericho is crotched on the top rope, and Ray goes for Frankensteiner. Jericho holds on to him and lands on the uh, lands on the mat in a lion tamer position. Ray instantly taps out because of the injured knee, and yet, as as Gus said, I don't think Jericho even leans into it that much to protect Ray here. No, he doesn't doesn't do anything. No, barely in it. 
especially again, you see some of the ones he has locked on him in other matches. He's bending him like a pretzel. He's just kind of barely leaning into this one. After the match, uh, Jericho's on the mic and he says this is the best moment of his life and the fans really like him. When keep don't do- boo me. <laughs> don't boo me is, is such a good line. <laughs> he tells it's, them not to boo him. And stop. It's so good because he's just conditioning the crowd. Like it, it's yeah. so obvious just looking at it going, don't boo me. And everyone's like, well, I mean, obviously I have to boo you now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's only a little bit of booing. He's like, don't boo me. And the whole crowd just ran down boos on him. When they won't stop, he says he'll give him a reason to boo. And he uh, takes Ray outside, puts his knee, like he traps it in the steel stairs with some chains. And then he gets this kind of a storage box, a metal storage box. You see them at gigs all the time. I don't know if they have an official They describe name. it as, oh, that, there's a TV. There's a case for the TV. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I get what he meant, but yeah, he, he meant to ours. It's like for all the equipment that's for carrying all the like, cameras. Yeah, it's, it's like stuff. a huge steel case. You, yeah, yeah, you put equipment in or something. It's yeah. just a storage yeah. unit, basically. It's just, yeah, it's a metal storage box. He's like, it's a TV box. What the fuck? Yeah, you have to be so specific <laughs> with it. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's the box we need to make TVs. <laughs> and he just, it's one of those effective uh, angles because they have a really good camera angle on it. And he just slams the steel box into the stairs, but it looks like he's mangling Ray's uh, knees. And I presume this is to put Ray off TV for a while. Yeah. And Kay Faber yeah, writes him off TV and he finally gets the knee surgery and we won't see him until Bash at the Beach. So, yes, yeah, like about he's, six months. He's getting, he's getting these surgeries so young. Just a reminder, oh yeah. So Ray Mysterio, twenty three here. Oh um, my in, god! In a knee brace. <laughs> yeah. And somehow still wrestling, despite us giving out about yeah. this. Like, <laughs> day, he's he's probably still has a couple years left. He keeps saying in his career, like, I love a little touch here when uh, when Jericho's walking back up the ramp. He's like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that." And he looks genuinely like, "Oh, I oh, stopped. That you, was too you far." Got, you got to say it like Jericho because he says it like. He says it in sorry. his Canadian. It's like Ray from Ghostbusters. Like, yeah, Vinkman, I'm sorry. sorry. I, I, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. yeah, he gets it a couple times. But I like it. It's good character work. He's not doing it like sarcastically and being completely off the top. He's like, oh, fuck, that, that might have been too far. Like, the crowd got me going. That was too far. I probably ended a man's knees there. So, yeah, I like not, not a high-octane Ray match. Only a couple high spots to talk about. But I think one of my favorite of the cast so far just because of the character work. Something that... Ray doesn't often do either. And I like how the commentators note this, that Ray applies a headlock. Obviously, they at first they said, oh, they yeah, good job. They need to ground Jericho. Like, no, not really. And somebody interjects that he just wants to take pressure off his knees. So he has to change up his offense, which he doesn't do uh, other times. But uh, yeah. it's nice to see at least some subtle changes. An attempt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which I'm sure he was like, I can't do like high spot moves the whole match. So I have to take a break somewhere. So. Nice little touch, but awesome match. I wonder if that was more truth than fiction as well. Right? He's just lying there. Go give me, uh, give yeah. me a minute. <laughs> give I me wrote minute. the I wrote the note before I knew uh, how badly fucked up his knee was, and then after that, I'm like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Rest holds. Rest holds. Yeah, it's it's nothing to write home about wrestling wise as a match, but it's good character work, which is the important thing. And that finish, even it looks so dangerous, but it looks awesome. I've I've seen yeah. it in gift form multiple times, and it's nice to see which uh, match it actually came from. Yeah, great stuff. And he instantly taps out, so it gets it over a little bit as well. Yeah, yeah, well, good psychology as well because they want to they want Reyes to never give up babyface, so you can't have him tap for no reason. But if he has an injured knee, 
he has to tap instantly, and you can't have him wait. You have to have him like tap instantly because it shows how hurt the knee is. It's it's yeah. Small things made this match match excellent. I think. Yeah, rare starting WCW pay per view. Three good matches. It's- yeah, I'd be happy to watch any of these again. To be honest, so far, uh, I would not be happy to watch what's next, which is uh, we get uh. JJ Dillon and Mean Gene in the ring doing something they should have done on a fucking nitro. Yeah, Gene compliments Dylan on running the company so well in 1997. Oh. Uh, didn't an outside entity try to take over your company, Dylan? Why did you not just fire them? It doesn't make any sense. He should not be getting compliments. But he says <laughs> 1998 is going to be a tough one. Dylan has vacated the title, like we said earlier in the Thunder recap. He says he's consulted uh, influential people in the industry to see what he should do with the title. Probably just have a match, right, Dylan? Like, you're in the wrestling industry. Keep it on Sting. (laughs) (laughs) Or just have kept it on Sting. It's pretty easy, I don't think. Like he earlier said, like, oh, Sting is the champion. Then he just changes his mind. It's no wonder people turn on WCW. By by the way, if JJ Dylan was paying outside consultants for opinions on this, no wonder WCW went under. JJ Dylan (laughs) bankrupted them for terrible opinions. But he says he's been talking to Piper, of all people, to see how to solve this. None of this makes any sense. He booked the match, so they went to him to consult him for advice. Well, surely this was all his fault in the first place because he didn't, if he booked the match. Okay, but anyway, so they get him out. Piper immediately calls out Sting, who now just gets summoned, apparently. He just brutally walks down to the ring and doesn't say anything. And then they get uh, Hogan and Hall out for the worst uh, part of the fucking pay-per-view. They uh, take their time coming down to the ring, taunting and Piper and Gene are still on the mic, roasting them like it's Comedy Central, working on their fucking Type 5 about the NWO as Hogan and Hall <laughs> make their way down to the ring. For one of the weirdest pieces of wrestling I've ever seen, the segment really shouldn't be on, on a pay-per-view. Piper says he respects Hall for becoming the number one contender for the way he did it in the match he did it. Again, doesn't make any sense. He cheated his way to get there. Did you not watch the match, Piper? Piper... <laughs> Uh, says he can't be the contender for anything because there is no champion. Insightful stuff. Piper then pulls the worst not joke I have ever heard in my life when he says he's going to put the title back around Hogan's waist because he respects him not. There's no pause. That's all one run of consciousness (laughs) by Piper. And Hogan has to sell this like he's been shot. He does change his tone a little bit. Like, it is a (laughs) nah. (laughs) but this is way before the this is years 10 years or something maybe longer before the borat movie and he does it like borat from that that movie without any (laughs) timing at all it is very weird maybe that was cool in 1998 but i doubt it i'm gonna say i doubt it it's also hilarious that hogan thinks like he's gonna get the belt back (laughs) hogan they they've vacated it for a reason like what, what do you think is gonna happen it's so, so gullible yeah he's just like yeah give me it yeah 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 it's so weird piper announces that there'll be a rematch at super brawl we needed to bring out piper for this uh sting is nonplussed hall is pretty pissed off by the whole situation as he probably has a right to be hogan's being a cartoon character uh, hogan pushes sting uh pushes sting so sting and piper square up the fight but Hall bails and has had enough of this situation, much like I've had enough of this situation. <laughs> and he just rolls his eyes and leaves, which I love. He looks so just done with it. This segment was 13 minutes. Way too <laughs> so, long. So long. It's utter bullshit. Just kills yeah. the pay-per-view, kills the crowd. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I have that noted all over the next match. The next match isn't that bad, but the crowd are bet you can hear them calling spots. Almost the crowd is I so feel dead. It's so insane. bad for them. Yeah, this segment meant nothing. It just they just need wanted Piper on TV. They just wanted to say Piper was going to be in the pay per view. It's useless. Dylan was bad. Gene was bad. Piper was bad. The only person who re- was reasonable was Hall because he pulled a very funny face when he got to leave. <laughs> I quite enjoyed Roddy telling Hogan that it, it was going to bite him on the bum. Not ass. <laughs> yeah. Bite him on the bum, <laughs> which was so bizarre from a late 90s US broadcast. <laughs> he needs to be Scottish. That's his thing, right? He just throws in random words he's heard in Britain once or twice into his fucking vocab. <laughs> This is terrible. It, I don't yeah. even think it should be on a regular TV show, never mind no. on a pay-per-view. I just <sighs> hate the logic in all of it. So there's already bad logic between stripping the title, but that if you want to make people buy the pay-per-view and that's your angle, that's fine. Why is Piper involved? Why is J.J. Dillon so stupid that he couldn't think of rematch by himself? It's like he's just sitting at his desk and like, what can we do? This is, this is impossible. This is impossible to solve. Get Piper in here. What do you think, Piper? Rematch. You're a genius. This is why we pay you so much. (laughs) It's the Michael Scott method of business where you take no accountability for any of your actions, but all of the credit. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess you want, you wanted Sting on the pay-per-view as well. I guess. Poor Sting. Like he's supposed to look broody, but I think he looks bored. And I would, I would look bored if this was the storyline. Also, he looks a bit annoyed, and I know you're, I'm reading a lot into this, but Hogan has fucked up this storyline so badly already. Like, they're stuck in this Nobody terrible storyline because of Hogan, yeah. No one looks good, but Hogan's already made all his money. That's that's his mantra, right? And the two people that suffer probably the worst from this is match number four, uh, podcast favorite Booker T against Rick Martel for the television championship. It is that Rick Martel, everybody. Yes. The model Rick Martel. He won't be in WCW very long. <laughs> no, he will not. Very unfortunate story about what happens to him, but a lot of that goes down in the next pay-per-view, and we'll talk about it then. Rick Martel has just come off after bouncing around indie companies. One of his last major feuds, funnily, is a major feud between uh, him and Edge and Christian, back when they had their other, uh, their other names, their pre-WB really? names. Yeah, him, him and Don Callis feuded with Edge and Christian when they were like Johnny Impact and something else. I forgot Christian's name. It's Sexton Hardcastle, isn't it? Is that um, a, I can't remember. It's there's some ridiculous names. But back when they were in Canada, yeah, they 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 had a feud with a uh, Martel and uh, Don Callis. I'm gonna look it up because it's gonna annoy me. Uh, yeah. In the meantime, can we talk about Rick Martel's music? Uh, <laughs> do we have to? It's so lame. It's so lame. They haven't really done anything with him here. Martel's a good wrestler. Again, they've just kind of brought him without a gimmick as a former WBE guy. Yeah, I, I guess his gimmick is he's a good wrestler, which he is. It's shown in this match. Him and Booker have a good match. But there's nothing about his personality that sticks out. He gets a bit mad during this match. They, they note that he has a temper. And a couple times it flares up and he gets a bit like vicious in the match. But barely, like barely does it look like he has a temper. You're really going to say Rick Martel has a temper after Chris Benoit scrambled his own brain for a finishing move, you know? It just doesn't look It doesn't look great. He's a bit bland. All the names I mentioned earlier with the Marty Giannettis and Berserkers and Rick Martels, that these guys do not fit in this era, especially when you just present them. It's themselves. Yeah. Great. <laughs> 80 stars in the 90s. Great. That's 
that thing did not fly well here. Yeah, I know I know that like two thirds of our viewership are brand new child fans that have come in for the NWO, but do you remember Rick Martel? Because he's here now. And it just doesn't make <laughs> who knows who he is no one knows who he is at this stage. No one's gonna remember some they might get some WF fans going, Oh, it's the model. That's kind of cool. Right. Yeah, they they mentioned we have a star that was once tag team champions in the WWF and it kind of sounds backhanded. It's just like yeah. it makes their organization seem cheap. This guy was a star somewhere else, and we're going to have him not be a star. <laughs> I I don't have many notes in this match. The crowd is dead. There's not that huge of a kind of – there's not many big spots. It's just a solid match. It's like if you've ever seen Martell or Booker fight, you've seen all of this before. Martell is using like the Boston Crab or the Quebec Cor- Crab, I think they call it, for his finisher at this point. The Harlem Hangover is used to finish the match, which Booker misses completely. And the commentators are like, got all of it. <laughs> got every <laughs> inch of it. <laughs> and yeah, I don't have much to say about this match. How about you guys? There isn't much. Crowd is just completely dead. There's a lot of rest holds. That's pretty much it. Booker tries his hardest to get the crowd into it. It's not going to work. It, I just feel so bad for these guys. The spinnerini's yeah. over. There was a pop when the spinnerini happened. Yeah, there's just nothing they can do. The The crowd have completely been lost because of the previous 15-minute segment. Rick obviously is is a different style of wrestler. He's he's not that flashy or like over yeah. the top, so he doesn't have the repertoire to try and pull them back. Like He just has a very, very 80s-style, plodding, slow, rest-hold-type moveset, so it's just not going to work. I feel bad for Booker mostly. Because they're obviously putting more effort into him, and this probably looked really bad for him. I, if right. I had to guess, yeah, it, it did. In comparison to like his Nitro and Thunder matches, the the crowd are definitely behind him. You visually see a lot of people when his music hits; people mm. are raising the roof. This is a complete transformation for for this guy. And for Booker, though, he just doesn't know how to cut a promo right now, or at least a face promo. He's tried, and it just he is not connecting with the crowd in that sense. Just just raise the roof, and that's it. His brother is actually better cutting promos than he was, <laughs> as much as Booker is the way better wrestler. You just said promo, and I went to the the only promo that matters. So <laughs> that's <laughs> for you, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a massive shame. I also think Booker is probably going to get more of the blame for this because, as you said, Rick Martel doesn't do anything wrong, but he's a plodding rest hold, some nice moves in between, crisp wrestler from the eighties, and you can't really blame the guy that's kind of taking the heel role, even though they're supposed to, both supposed to be faces. It's up to the face to kind of pop the crowd, right? It's up to the face to, like, when he's doing the scissors kicks and stuff, he gets a bit of reaction. But they're just dead. Like, the segment where J.J. Dillon has murdered the crowd, and it takes them a couple matches to get back into it. Boatman, after the match, uh, Martel grabs the title off Booker, but instead of fighting him, raises his hand, and there's a handshake show of respect. Though Saturn attacks Martel after from out of the crowd, Saturn hits a big suplex. Uh, Booker's in for the save with the damage is already done. Not quite the awesome moment of passing the torch, really. <laughs> no, yeah, a little short. I understand that there is some setup to why Perry is attacking Rick, but why isn't Booker the one involved in any sort of feud? He's the champion. <laughs> yeah, why isn't why isn't Saturn attacking Booker and Martel can help run uh, Saturn off? And it becomes kind of like a mentor-mentee kind of thing then. And it makes no sense that Booker is making the save here. Yeah. And instead, these guys are just going to have a rematch next month. So, woo. Can't wait for that one. They have some kind of gauntlet match. But there's there's a lot of info on that match because of what happens in it. 
We'll probably break it down a bit more when we get to that pay-per-view because uh, there's a lot to dig into. Match number five is Larry Zabisco versus Scott Hall. Larry has promised, and they've talked about it through the night, to bring out someone with him and Scott Hall too. This is a continuation of kind of the Bischoff feud. Larry has been the savior of um, of the WCW. He won Nitro back at Starcade from uh, Eric Bischoff and that weird botched Bret Hart shenanigan. And it's always kind of been Scott that hates Larry anyway, so that's more back to Scott versus Larry with a bit of Bischoff on the side. Scott Hall comes down with a new lackey, Louis Spicoli. Sorry if I'm butchering his second name, but Louis Spicoli, former ECW guy and a real-life friend of Scott Hall. Tragically, this will be the only time we see him on the pay-per-view. He uh, he passes away before the next pay-per-view of a drug overdose. Huge mark on Scott, apparently, afterwards as well, who... Uh, there's been interviews said that it had a pretty adverse uh, effect on Scott and his uh, substance abuse later. Very solemn thing to say in a very silly pay-per-view, but uh, unfortunately, I kind of want to address this is why this is the reason we only see Louis once. You have to bring it up, but it's weird to talk about too, just because he's such a silly character. He's just kind of like this kiss ass to the NWO. He's like, hey, I want to be one of the cool kids type of thing. And Hall kind of brings him along. So it's, it's it's actually a very entertaining gimmick. I wish we could could have seen more with it. So it, it it really is a shame just all around that this guy was only twenty seven too. So it's just really sad. Yeah, he he gets reprimanded on I think it's a thunder for like someone calls something like a bombshell and he refers an actual real life bombing. And apparently he gets given out to quite a bit for that. But he is this very silly character, and I I think the NWO needs this. They need sycophants because of how big the rest of the characters are in it it's nice to have these like little guys you can also just throw them in the way right and that's kind of what he's here for you just throw them in the way as a human shield guys who aren't vincent <laughs> yeah guys that aren't vincent is is a really good really good tag from the nwo but yeah they don't have enough buff was kind of doing it for a while but i think they see more in buff so they want them not to do that as much anymore uh six did it for a bit but again was probably a bit too talented when he was around to be doing that so louis fits this perfectly and he can actually talk he's a bit of a gift of the gab and is annoying and that's fantastic for his heel persona second to the ring comes larry the living legend sabisco still looking like he's in his 20s wrestling uh, bruno san martina of course and he's down with a, a surprise manager valet he comes down to the ring and he does the nwo point back to the commentary table where we see uh Dusty Rhodes get up. He says he has some uh, work to do, guys. Boys. He says, boys, I got some work to do. Hang, hands in his uh, headphones and makes his way down to the ring with uh, Zabisco. And can you guys tell me why this is supposed to be scary for Scott Hall? I mean, he's afraid of Larry, so why wouldn't he be afraid of Dusty? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Commentators definitely are more powerful than anybody than wrestlers what if larry had just got one of the real wcw wrestlers in the back that might have been great get goldberg he's huge D- ddp isn't on this card would have been nice if ddp was out here <laughs> but uh it's i love dusty and anything that involves dusty more in the show is a positive for me the boys in commentary do a great job of putting dusty over and uh hall of course does a fantastic job of not looking very happy that dusty is the manager for tonight match starts um I think pretty timidly we get a lot of fireman carries and like single leg shoots by Larry. Not as much in the first match he's had, but in this one I think you can tell a little bit more that he's not as fast or good as he used to be. 
he lures Hall into some abdominal stretches and uh, he tricks him into going for a uh, test of strength, but instead just slaps him in the face of the wily veteran outsmarting Hall in the early exchanges. A few big strikes from Hall sends Larry to the apron where uh, Spicoli gets the cheap shots in, getting that nice heat from the crowd. I also kind of like that um, Larry can do all these moves and it barely phases Hall and one or two strikes and Larry's out on his ass. That makes some uh, good continuity sense for me. Also, Dusty chases off Spicoli and gets a huge reaction from the crowd. So maybe a pretty good call to have Dusty involved in the match. Must have been the only reaction that was in favor <laughs> yeah. for Larry because there is Larry sucks chance for this match. And <laughs> it's kind of what I was alluding to earlier that the, the audience is kind of turning on WCW here. And it made sense for Larry to go up against Bischoff because everybody hates Bischoff, but Scott Hall is like the coolest member of the NWO. So this, it just doesn't work. And we're done seeing Larry. I think, I think it just, his time has run out. Like you can't out cool Scott Hall at this point. This is probably like the peak of like what he's been doing too. Yeah. This is too soon. Like they had the match with Eric. You could have dusted Larry back off in half a year, a year and had him as like a special guest referee or a tag partner for someone. But having him in a singles match with one of your best work rate performers in the company Number one contender. That the num- yeah. the number one contender for your title. Doing multiple abdominal stretches because that's what was over in the twenties. I assume is just not. It's not going to fly. They they got to hide his weaknesses against Bischoff. They can't hide his weaknesses against Hall. Yeah, it's just odd. I, I get that they have to do like a holding pattern with Scott, but this is not what I would be doing with him. Even still, even though there is a logical reasoning for why they'd be involved with each other. You're just exposing both of them in the in a bad way. This match, thankfully, doesn't last too long. One of the shortest of the night. After a fallaway slam, Hall goes for the finish with the razor's edge. Back body drop gives Larry a chance to recover. Explosive punches in the corner are broken up by the ref twice. And once uh, Larry accidentally hits uh, the ref with a kind of weird spinning back kick that they insist Larry has always done, but I'm not as sure as the commentators on this one. It's a fantastic ref bump. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the ref starts breaking up Larry from punching the corner. Like, I'm like, why are you breaking this up? Oh, here comes a ref bump. Yeah, I knew it was coming. <laughs> the downed ref means that Hall doesn't get a count for some reason, a weird kind of order to do this in. Uh, Hall's back is turned. Larry pops up, but realizes this is the ideal time to play possum. Hall revives the ref. And uh, goes for the pin, but Larry gets the guillotine or front front face lock or reverse chancery, whatever you want to call it. Spicoli rushes in to break it up, as you do, I guess, just get, get Hall disqualified. But Dream grabs him and he gets a gyrating and gives him a few of the bionic elbows, uh, daddy. Legend. 
Dusty. Go, go get him. He's going to fight him. Stick it to him now. He's gonna rub it in his face. Oh no, Tony. Oh no! Oh my goodness! Oh, is he disappointing everyone in this sport? Has he spit in everybody's face in this sport? Dusty takes off his massive denim top that he didn't take off all night so maybe this was a bit of a prelude and he has an nwo shirt t-shirt underneath he is turned to the dark side and the commentary are absolutely devastated he uh, gives larry a few big old elbow drops he puts all his weight poor larry i wonder if it was a rib on him he puts all his weight into a few big elbow drops onto larry and he leaves with hall talking about tradition this is tradition now or something I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of in love with this. I really kind of like <laughs> this turn. You have to love Dusty being in the ring and doing his thing again. It was, yeah. it was so cool. Even even now, just to see that, it's it, it was just it was awesome. Was, there's a big smile on my face when I was watching it. I'm not going to lie. And I, I think his turn, while I've noted here is too late, I would have liked to see it the year before this, to have a heel commentator this entire time, which we've been begging for. But I kind of like Dusty turning, and uh, it is a slap in the face. Maybe the problem is now the crowd aren't the tradition, traditionalists. It's the same I'm talking about Martel. Dusty doing this a year ago when you're, like, your crowd was half new people, half old entrenched fans would have had a bigger reaction. Now it's very predominantly new NWO fans and young kids, and they only know Dusty as that, that commentator that loves when you get the Sharks, you know? They don't know the American dream. They don't know the son of a, son of a plumber. So I don't think it has as much of an effect as they wished it did, and I think they pulled the trigger a little late. Do you think they were expecting the crowd to respond like they did at Bash at the Beach, really? Cause it, in Dusty's head, people were going to throw stuff at him. In Dusty's head, 100%, this was the biggest betrayal that anyone's ever done to wrestling. Because I don't think Dusty was an egomaniac, but that's how he viewed things. Anytime you hear an interview, Dusty was like, this is going to be so over daddy. This is going to be the biggest thing that's ever happened. And I, I think that's what he thought. I think he thought this was going to go over really well and get a huge reaction just like uh, Hogan did. And I think, again, it's down to who cares about Larry? Who cares now that J.J. Dillon has talked to me for 10 minutes? It feels like an eternity. You know, I think it's in a bad place in the cards. I think it's betraying someone no one cares about anymore. Lots of factors lead to it not meaning anything, I think. I mean, what's the point of it? Where are they going with it? Yes, it got it got the crowd to a certain degree. They popped for it. It was kind of shocking, and and so it worked. But where, where are you going with this, and why is it Dusty? There's nothing that would tell me going, oh, yeah, Dusty, he, he joined the NWO. And I'm sure they'll follow up on it. Like, uh, they have great... Uh, <laughs> you're, you're more confident than me. <laughs> they have a great ability to follow up on their continuity, that's for sure. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think this is very telling of what 1998 is going to look like. We're going to see a yeah. lot of these kind of turns. They don't make sense. We're going to see it with other big wrestlers. Just They're going to jump back and forth. It's, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he's just back to Dusty by the next time we watch a pay-per-view. Uh, <laughs> I changed my mind. Like, I changed my mind. Yeah. It was all just like he's a double-aged brother. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's Again, it's just grasping now, and it already feels like grasping at straws where, oh, who's the next member? They were making all these irrelevant people NWO members. They could have made him or Brain or even 
Tanae or something, an NWO member to have an NWO commentator. <laughs> Tanae. A great NWO Iron commentator. I am like, they could have done this, and then they're just doing this very all of a sudden to start off the new year. And I get, again, this is looking back. Maybe at the time they're like, this is red hot. This is still red hot, but we can already see the cracks forming. It doesn't, it doesn't help. We've mentioned that WCW is just, they didn't book their biggest faces on the show. Sting shows up for two seconds. DDP and Goldberg are not on the show. I'm, I guess I'm not too surprised that the crowd just shit all over it. Uh, imagine if a couple months ago he had done this to DDP instead. Mm, so um, yeah. imagine a couple months ago, DDP is like, you know, I can't trust anyone in the locker room, but I can't trust, you know, the American dream. He can come out and watch my back in this match. And he just low blows him in the middle of one of the savage matches. The heat would be atomic. People would care because they love DDP. And in their defense a little bit, like a month or two ago, people loved Larry. You just overused him. He's an old guy that does atomic stretches four times in one match. <laughs> in one match. You overused him. You overstepped your bounds. And instead of using a big proper name to get this turnover, you're using someone that isn't going to be seen the majority of the time in the company. Is this the last time Larry wrestles? Um, sadly, he was supposed to wrestle next month. He was supposed to wrestle Spicoli, but obviously, obviously mm, that doesn't happen. Right. Yeah, maybe it is the last time we see him on at least our timeline. So yeah, I, th- I think it is. This is the last time we see Larry. So yeah, good riddance. <laughs> he overstays welcome. I, d- I did like Larry in the beginning, but yeah, it's it it got old real quick. I, I will I will say it's also not his fault that the Bischoff match got butch- oh, uh, butchered yeah. so horribly, and that's a shame. Like that was actually I think well built up and a good idea, and just execution went flat. It's hard for those spots to work when you have so many people on the roster that are so talented. Like you really have to tread a fine line with that kind of thing. And they've just used them too much. So talking about untalented guys, our next match. Hey, is the- hey. <laughs> no, that's mean. That's mean. We got some real good talent in this match. Uh, we got there match are number several season. world champions in this match. <laughs> this is very true. That's God, not really? Very true. Oh, yeah. Jesus. yeah. Yeah, actually looking at, looking at us. We got three, right? <laughs> I think. So Conan's definitely been a world champion in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, Scott yeah, Norton's three, been, uh, been the New Japan world champion. And then Scott Steiner's been a world champion. Match number six of the night, NWO B team versus unused WCW guys. This is <laughs> the match we were supposed to get for the last pay-per-view, but... Uh, we got our Randy Savage instead because Conan couldn't, unfortunately, make the match. So they're kind of just rehashing it. A little bit of actually build up to this. We've seen Scott changing his appearance over the last couple of weeks and becoming way more arrogant. He's become way more muscular, which is, you know, Scott has those His weird, arm is gross now. Yeah, oh, my the God. The tennis balls under his fucking body. I've never seen someone else with an arm like that. It's so weird. <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's kind of body shaming, but it is. He's been wrestling whole matches without tagging in Rick. He's just a bit winning them on his own. He's been getting like very arrogant. So the Rick has had enough of him and lets him know at the start of the match. He won't even let Scott start the match like he usually does. He pulls him out of the ring and has Rick start this match. Their tag team partner, by the way, uh, Ray Taylor, if I didn't say Ray Taylor and the Steiners, like from the last trailer, movie. trailer, trailer. Oh, trailer. Sorry. Trailer. Yeah. That's I a, mean, who cares? It's just <laughs> <laughs> what, what's funny. I mean, he hasn't even bothered to buy wrestling gear, so like, <laughs> yeah, it, he does just have his streets on all the time. It's really weird. 
Give him a gimmick, guys. Come it's on. It's like he's come straight out of a fetish club with his leather pants. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's really weird. Uh, he does actually wrestle a decent match here. He gets some like energetic spots in. Him and Rick take the whole first half of the match, and they refuse to tie against Scott. And I think it's a good shift. Both of them are just doing good big guy stuff. Um, there's not much to write home about. It's their normal shtick. Someone tries to leapfrog uh, Rick Steiner, never trying to re- leapfrog Rick Steiner. You've spent way too much time on this match already. <laughs> I do like one bit of the match. So Scott is getting frustrated. He doesn't get tagged in. So he just goes to Trailers, part of the apron, and refuses to move because he wants to tag. And Trailers like, go to your own side. But why doesn't Ray just go to the other side that Scott isn't on? He's like, go to your own side, Scott. And he's like, no, I'm going to stand here. And then they're just both standing on the same side like goons. Uh, yeah, there's not much to say about this match. It's all about Scott getting like really frustrated and eventually getting the tag at the same time as Ray. They both just get in the ring and the ref doesn't know what to do, so they both hit moves. Eventually, Ray gives up and lets uh, Scott be in the ring and tags him in. Scott hits the Ste- Steiner screwdriver, which I know is the Rikishi. The bonsai uh, yeah, dog, right? that's, that's not really the screwdriver, what he does. That's it's no. It's way more like Rikishi's move, for sure. Yeah, the bonsai drop, yeah. There's a proper name for it as well. Which I, There's a Japanese name for it, of course. Oh, uh, yeah, the, screw, the screwdriver is that mental suplex he does, right? Yeah, it's a vertical suplex into a tombstone pile driver. Yeah, yeah, the, the fucking mental neckbreaker, neckbreaking move he does that they don't let him do in America, and rightfully fucking so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have to laugh at Bobby. So they do the tag, the tag bit that you just mentioned where they're like, oh, who's who got tagged in and Bobby just goes, who cares? <laughs> it's like, well, you're not wrong, Bobby. You're not wrong. I, to be fair to this match, like I know I just ragged on it saying like, Oh, you've spent so much time talking about it. They've at least put in a bit of effort with Scott. There yeah. is something going on there with him. Do we need to see the same match 1800 times in a row in order to get there? No, but at least there, there's something going on. Yeah, again, simple simple stuff to this could be done. You could just have Ray and Rick and be like, Scott, we're sick of your shit. You're going to be our manager for the night. So be like, be a team player on the side and like he gets involved too much and gets him disqualified. You could have Rick in a singles match. You could have Rick in a handicap match and say that's Scott's punishment for being a dick. You could make this match in 700 different ways with the same participants that isn't just the same tag team match again. It is very uncreative. And while they... They are doing good character work with Scott, and I think Scott is doing a good job of getting his obnoxiousness over, mostly because Scott's kind of obnoxious. Mm, They decided to be a bit lazy and boring with this one. Post-match, we get that pose down that almost... Buff Bagwell enjoys that pose down way more than he should. (laughs) (laughs) Just flexing in Scott's general direction and like pointing to the eye point. You know, looking out for people and going, yeah... Yeah, you're looking, you're looking good. He's he like, sees something in Scott, Scott, you know? Like, <laughs> it's where that uh, one of them wasn't a lot older than the other one, the way they were, t- the way they were <laughs> interacting. You'd swear one of them wasn't one of the most prolific tag team wrestlers of all time. You know, <laughs> you know, just bu- buff sizing up Scott. Yeah, you look good. You look good. We like what you're doing with them. What? What is going on? <laughs> Leave that man alone, buff, you creep. Nah, that's Buff, though. Buff is the stuff. He has to do this kind of thing. Yeah, can we have a stuff off? Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, lo- I love the eye point. I'm watching you. <laughs> the watching you eye point. It was so weird. It's so weird. This, this match was odd altogether. It, it doesn't help that the commentators are still trying to sell 
the dusty turn they're making it just yeah. sound like life is over my kids can't see dusty ever <laughs> yeah, tony, oh, so tony has lost like his best friend by the sound of things and is is devastated i i've noticed that brain i, I listened to it again brain kind of needles him i think brain is kind of ribbing him a bit so brain's like uh like okay we'll, we'll try to be serious like he's like i live near the man oh my kids play with him Dude, are they going to play with them anymore? (laughs) 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 And there's a couple of times he makes a joke about it. And I think he is genuinely just like needling a little bit to show how stupid it is in reality. But yeah, uh, they act like they like Dusty's been murdered in the ring and they have to keep the show going. If they were just shouting at him and like, you you dog, how dare you? Like that's wrestling going, oh my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. Take the kids out of school. Get them away from the Dusty kids. (laughs) Get them away from Cody. That, yeah, that dashing Cody Rhodes. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that handsome, handsome Cody. <laughs> Otherwise, he'll turn very, into a nightmare. <laughs> I know he's very handsome, but please keep the kids away from him. Yeah, it's just way too much. I, I get what they're trying to do, and I, I respect that they're trying to do something different than just, you know, you yellow dog, Dusty. But uh, let's stick to the classics for this. Let's not pretend Let's not pretend a national disaster has happened, you know? There was one nice touch as well at the end. A very very subtle thing but a nice in joke there vincent and ted have have a bit of a brawl themselves oh he saw that Just in the background yeah, yeah. Okay, as a yeah. callback <laughs> no one cares no one calls attention to it the cameras never cut to it but they're just like laying into each other in the background for one of the scenes which is well, kind of stupid on their part that could be a, like a fun moment uh to highlight but yeah yeah, yeah, I, I would have liked that. Like, turn, turn as well. The last time they fought, DiBiase was the heel, right? So you get to, like, turn the story on its head a little bit. Just thought, maybe they're already fighting. Maybe someone owed someone money, you know? A chance to just hit someone in the background. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised. Well, no. Next match on the card is a bit more infamous than uh, the pose-off between uh, Buff and Scott. We have Kevin Nash versus The Giant. This is a bit more of a storyline behind it. We talked about how in the last pay-per-view, Nash just didn't show up. He says he had medical conditions and he couldn't show up to the match. Giant has said he'll stay patient. So there's been this weird arrangement made where WCW are going to put money up front. So if Giant hits Nash before the pay-per-view and the NWO get this money and Hogan's putting up 1.5 million, I think is the number they quote for Nash to show up and actually wrestle if he's not touched before then. Isn't this what contracts are for in the first place? Why are we signing wrestling contracts if we also have to offer the man $1.5 million to come wrestle? And what if he does lose that money? Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Fake fake wrestling money. (laughs) The the, the Hogan dollars, they have his face on them. I I think it makes... Giant look okay because he he does the face thing and he never touches Nash and Nash is like throwing coffee and stuff in his face in the build up. It's a little silly. It's a bit old schooly, but at least it makes Giant look like he's not just a screaming weird Hulk Hogan ripoff, I guess. Yeah, and there's well, there's different angles. The, the way you describe it is fine. It's just again like me suspending my disbelief for fake money but then you could just say like you'll get fired if you touch yeah. him like that that's like more incentive like oh we got giant he's has to pay you know a tenth of his salary or whatever yeah or, or so. even like if you touch him the match is off hall if you don't show up show up you're fired you're out of it you're out of the nwo you're out of wcw you're yeah. gone like something like that and those are very real simple Things you can look at, right? You're like, that makes sense. One man wants to fight another man. Another man wants to keep his job. So has to be in the fight. 
that's super easy. Again, they're like, that's bring some Mickey Mouse dollars, my WCW dollars versus your Hogan dollars. But listen, Dave, I know you've won the prize yacht, but you could choose the box. Box. Because you don't know <laughs> yeah, what's box. in the, the box. box. <laughs> it could even have a boat. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, again, it's just a layer of nonsense that's not needed in order to be a little different. But instead of being a little different, they've just gone off the rails. It's it's kind of silly. I'm I'm glad Giant is getting the match. I think I think he's been decent in the upper card, and he's kind of been floundering. But I think him and Nash could have a pretty good feud. I really wish he had music. It's really annoying me now at this point. So why doesn't he just have like the WCW music or something? If he's such he's supposed to be such a company guy now, right? That's Larry's music. He can't touch that. <laughs> that is just, Larry's music. Just let him use the dungeon music. I don't care. He's supposed to be really imposing and, and whatever. Just no music sucks so much. I, I do like that Nash comes out with Bischoff and Hogan and the commentators have a bit of seeds of doubt because like, oh, look, they're together in unity. And I think it's brain says, or is he just out to make sure he doesn't lose his money? Which is the only, I think literally that one line might be the only good thing about the money involved in the feud. Right, make sure Hogan doesn't get punished, and that's the only reason Hogan is out there, which is again a pretty real reflection of real life. It also shows that like um, NWO, they're they're trying to say, oh, we're we're not splitting apart, we're we're united. So yeah, and there's there's been conversations with Nash and Hogan, so it's th- this is a way to put into doubt those the haters. Fully agree on that. I would I will point out the other thing that Kevin Nash is really annoying me with now, and Scott Hall is also a, a victim of this. Where are the tag team belts? Oh yeah, you're the tag team. Oh right, the, the tag team champions. Yeah, Where I didn't even mention belts? that. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, the Steiners <laughs> are the tag team champions. Yeah, <laughs> they even say it at some stage. Yeah, it's they, so they even annoying. Say in the match, yeah. Like, no wonder your tag division means nothing because the two lads can't be bothered to bring the belt with them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%. This is the first time we're seeing Nash in singles action, right? Outside of like the Royal Rumbles. Yeah, this is uh, interesting because I think this is actually quite a decent match. I think both guys do uh, a little more kind of athletic stuff than they usually do. Uh, we see a leapfrog by uh, by Nash. We see Nash do a slingshot to the outside. He almost completely botches it, though. He's no Undertaker. Looks so dangerous. Yep. Yeah, he catches both his feet on the rope, but Giant, being the absolute freak he is, just still catches him midair and keeps him up. And he just clobbers him with the ring post. I thought that was such a good visual. Nash, for once, trying something athletic and nearly killing himself in the meantime. And Giant uh, showing off his freakish strength, even with a bigger guy. Uh, this does allow our first bit of shenanigans, though, with... Uh, Hogan getting involved, swinging a chair at the back, and swinging the chair apparently so hard that Giant had to stay down to nine count before getting back in the ring to the chagrin of uh, Nash. Do you know that Hogan was that strong? That he could kill a man with one swing? Well, yeah, it's 18-inch pythons, man. He does have 18, 18. Maybe not at this stage anymore, but he did have 18-inch pythons at one stage. 16 and a half. <laughs> 16 and a half. <laughs> the half is important, though. <laughs> <laughs> We get a we get a few tired wrestling wrestlers spot a bit like we did in the Raven match. So I, I know there's a lot of cards on the ma- uh, a lot of matches on the card, but uh, repeating the same kind of thing. We get a we get a double down from a double big boot, and Nash gets to cover for two, which again is fine. Benoit Raven arguably did it a lot better earlier in the night. Hogan distracts again while Bischoff tries to get in Giant's face on the apron. Bischoff eats a big choke slam. I love how long. 
Bischoff is so small compared to these guys. I love how long he has them in the air to clear the ropes. It's just, it makes it look pretty great. But while uh, Giant is distracted beating up Bischoff, and, you know, who wouldn't be, Hogan passes Nash a flask full of coffee. He throws the what a brain assures us must be scalding a hot coffee right in uh, Giant's eyes, and he goes to dick kick City. He goes for... um. <laughs> one of the, one of the most horrible botches I think in WCW history, besides the Sid Vicious killing his own leg botch, is um, I don't know if it's because the coffee is making the grip uh, the grip harder, but Kevin Nash does not get a proper grip on the jackknife powerbomb here and drops Giant square on his neck. Like it, if it's an inch less rotated, I think Giant is dead, and we're talking about one of the biggest tragedies in wrestling history. But that's a heavy man falling all his weight and then Nash falls forward onto Giants afterwards. It is horrible looking and I don't know how the man is still walking today. They're so lucky. So They're so lucky. lucky. Yeah. Big time. It looked terrible. And even the commentators, you hear them like they, they they're professional and they keep going, but you can hear in their voice like, wow. And then please, Brain jokes please, about please be okay, yeah. Yeah, you can Brain kind of makes his snarky comment about I want to see his legs moving. But I think he's genuine because once they go for the pin, Giant does not move. He stays completely flat. You just see his stomach moving. You see Nash is like shook. And you can see Nash like hiding his mouth and he's probably talking to Giant a couple times. Gus, were you saying it's the way he covers him as well? It looks yeah, like he's the pin is, is completely over his face and you can't see them on camera. So I assume he's talking to them while he's being pinned. Yeah, I think you get to see Giant do the hand squeeze thing. So he's probably fine. But uh, it's so funny, and you can tell the personalities in wrestling. Hogan straight away in the ring doing his like taunting and pointing and shit, and Nash is not. Nash is just kind of walking around. You can see it in his eyes. He's like, "Oh, I might have paralyzed that man. I, I knew <laughs> he might kill be the dead." Yeah. yeah, he might be dead. because and it's just a slip. It's like this weird slip that just continues. I don't know again if it's because he's not strong enough. Yeah, he's shook going all the way up the ramp. The professional they are, they get the medics down, and I think they this might be time to get them out and you know a neck brace. Instead, they continue with the gimmick and they put cotton balls <laughs> over his eyes. Oh man! <laughs> and wrap it around his head because he's burnt his eyes with the hot coffee too much. Don't stabilize his neck at all. Just pick up his neck to put these band these gimmick bandages on. Where does the coffee come from? I <laughs> <laughs> don't know. That's what I want to know because it's P- Penzer's coffee or something. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> because the announcing table isn't even down there; like they're up at the top. So who needs yeah. coffee at the ringside? <laughs> also, it's not believable if it's hot if he just got it from under the ring, right? It's been there all night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you would have seen it if if Hogan or Bischoff brought it down with them. So they obviously didn't have it. So who does have it? It's, it's it would have made more sense. They could have like drank it. <sighs> they could have brought it down in a flask and be drinking it, kind of to taunt him. And then it ends up in his face. That would have been fine. But instead, it just materializes out of nowhere in this big, like, mug or flask or something. It's it's bizarre. It's bizarre. It's so bizarre. I, also, in true, I know, I, I know it's very serious and everything. Thankfully, the giant is okay. We all know this going forward. In true wrestling carny style, they use it for an angle going forward. It's so good. No, I, of course I, they do. I applaud that. <laughs> I like that. I like that instead of going with the coffee gimmick, they're like, you know what? You know what looks better than coffee scalding someone's eye? The fact that I nearly killed that man. Let's make a deal out of that. Yeah, makes way more sense. I tried to literally kill you with my move. Come do something about it. And It's a shame, too, because this. I thought this match was 
actually it's quite good. It's, yeah, yeah, I, it's I enjoyed the match like a lot. Yeah, I was I was not looking forward to this match at all. I've I've seen Nash's singles work before. It's not great, especially when Shawn Michaels isn't there to, to help him. <laughs> to just shout at him. Move. I said move. <laughs> he has a select uh, few opponents that are capable of getting it out of him. All right, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if he just likes Giant. I don't know if they thought it was just fun because, you know, there's not many people as big as Nash currently running around. So this you don't get to have this match very often. So maybe he's not bored, but he seemed motivated and he was trying new things and he was bad at some of them, but he was very good at other ones. And I was, I was enjoying the match until the shenanigans finish. We'll see how that goes. Cause that, uh, that rivalry goes on for a while longer, but I think we're all pleasantly surprised by it. One that we shouldn't be that surprised by being decent is a match. Number eight, the best there is and was, and ever will be off. It's Bret Hart versus Ric Flair. And I was surprised when I saw this in the card, because I've always heard that the booking for Bret was so bad. But this is one of the matches I would have loved to see him in. If you told me to dream book matches between the two companies back then, this is high on my list. So I was excited going into this. I <laughs> See, I'll agree and I'll disagree as well. Because, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's weird that Bret Hart comes in. His promo right after Starcade is still like he's attacking Hogan. He's attacking the NWO. He's supposed to be this guy that's bringing justice to WCW. But then it's like, nah, I'm going to have this fight of who's the best. It's fine. It's a ba- basic Basic feud, but they have basic okay promos with each yeah. other. Sure, it's N- all, Nine, all good stuff. Nine Hard comes back to like tell Flair that he thinks Brett is great, which is it's good. And Flair gets to have a lot of heat by attacking Nyhard and stuff. But uh, the issue is, of course, Jim the Anvil Nyhard thinks Brett is great. He's tag teamed with him for like a hundred years. I don't think he was ever going to come out and go, Flair. I got to tell you, you're you're right. Brett is a piece of shit, and you are the best. That was never going to happen. It's real filler. It is. Yeah, it's just awkward just from where it came from because he came from the, the top storyline to just throw away feud. You could have made this feel bigger. You could have made this the main event and just went, you know, these are two of the best of all time and we're just going to have a pure uh-huh. wrestling main event if you wanted. It is part of the triple main event, let's not forget. It is the main event, today. It is the main <laughs> event. I don't have many notes on this match and that is not because it's bad. It's a little bit like the Booker T-Martel match. Both of these guys have a fine match. It is just like every TV Ric Flair match you've ever watched and every TV Bret Hart match you've ever watched. It's crisp. It's good. They don't miss a beat. There's good character work, but mostly they just both get their shtick in and Bret wins clean as a sheet, middle of the ring with a sharpshooter. It's just, um, they're sleepwalking. Yeah. Like, yeah. They, they, the two guys are so used to doing the this kind of match through their careers and it's just... There's no effort being put in here because they both know there's no story, story. behind this. Yeah, this it's is so this is to keep them both in holding pattern. Meaningless yeah. that they're just like, yeah, okay, yeah, fine, ever. Let's just get through this till the next thing. I could watch it again. To be honest, it's not yeah. bad. I I would much. I don't need to see this again. That's fair. I, I enjoy a little bit of the psychology. They have each other scouted a bit. They're doing the whole, you know, we've wrestled before, so you're not going to get me with this again. But mostly it's just Brett being an out-and-out face and Flair getting a couple edges with eye pokes kind of it. But yeah, I agree. I think neither man, I think both men are like, why bother giving our 100% here when it's not called for? This isn't a big moment. This is just a match, you know, so there's no point in ripping, ripping the roof off the place when there's no build-up. Yeah, it's hard to, because Flair and Brett, they've not liked each other in the past. No, and no, they have not. We also have to <laughs> keep in mind too, like, 
Bret Hart, this is his first actual match in WCW, and this is probably the first time in the ring. I mean, maybe he has house show matches, but it's, it's since Montreal. Like, this is oh, his yeah, return true. to the ring. It was because for the past, like, month and a half, like, we've only seen him in jeans and a T-shirt. We, have, we haven't seen him in the vintage tights and the glasses. We haven't seen the whole stick yet. So this was the whole package that we get to see for the first time. So something that's a bit interesting, this package that you see of Brett is kind of historic. It like has a huge effect on wrestling history because this is very probably the reason WWE are so tight with their IPs. Like the outsiders were one thing, but they got to strip them a lot of their personalities before they left. But Brett owned all of his stuff. The glasses, the look, his catchphrases, his name. You the can't change man. his name. Yeah. The hitman. So you got this 100% WWF person that has worked in his uh, worked on getting his personality over there. And he got to bring it completely to WCW. Everyone else had to change their stuff up. You know, is there any other any person besides maybe Flair? But he wasn't made in the WWF that got to bring their whole gimmick over. Maybe Hogan. But even Hogan had to take away a bunch of his nicknames. Yeah, so um, do you guys want to go into the backstage kind of kerfuffles with this this oh, feud and this match? I don't oh, know. Please them. do. <laughs> well, for this match, there's, there's really only something, something small. The dirt sheets say that Macho was upset, claiming this match on, went way too long, which is something that's pretty common with, with Brett, or at least he's done it before. So at least one that comes to mind that I just watched actually was Brett's SummerSlam match with Owen. That went too long. Yeah, he does it a lot. Taker yeah. was pissed that the Taker versus Taker couldn't go on for long, but it seems uh, Brett, he was in the rights in both situations because can you imagine the actual main event of this pay-per-view going longer than it did? Because, whoa. Brett does a very really similar thing to Taker, actually, and we found this about, out about Taker recently. So it seems, there, I've heard this before, there's a bit of a track record with Brett going, well, those other matches suck. So I'm going to give the people in the audience a good match to watch. I'm not going to send them home watching garbage after me. Or I'm going to give them as little garbage as possible. Undertaker has recently admitted that when he thinks his opponent can't give him a good match, he will insist his entrance gets extended. Or he will like milk his entrance so they have less time in the ring together. And people have gone Why back now and watched. That? Jesus, that's hilarious. In, in a recent interview, because he's doing all these interviews that's, now because of his documentary... Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah. yeah, and then people are actually timing them out, and one of them is like against um, against someone at Backlash, and it's quite short, but it's actually not because every other wrestler took ten seconds to get to the ring, and he takes a full minute and a half, even though the ramp is quite short, to get to the ring when it was like someone terrible. It was a great Cali or something like that. So <laughs> I don't think Undertaker can get annoyed at anyone giving the crowd better. His literal words for it are like. I'm giving the crowd as much bang. Like he can control his entrance. So he's giving the crowd a good entrance because that's all he can control at that point of the match. So Brett doing something very similar here. And, oh, thank you, Brett. I did not need to see more of the main event. (laughs) Uh, Seriously. So the other piece of news. So we are not going to see Flair for a while. Do you guys know what happens after this? It's a famous story. There's a contract dispute or something, isn't there? There's a contract dispute because Flair goes to his son, Reed Flair, he has a wrestling tournament, so he chooses to go to the wrestling tournament instead of showing up at Thunder. Oh, okay. So apparently he gave notice, but WCW's yeah. too disorganized, but who knows what the real story is, and Bischoff, like, he makes the famous speech to, like, all the the guys in the 
in the locker room that you want to like bankrupt flair and shit like this. It's just this ugly like lawsuit that goes on for like a long time. Ugly situation. Of course, flair does come back because he needs money and is miserable without wrestling. So he, he doesn't come back in typical flair form on our timeline. He just comes back for a month or two and then disappears again. And he doesn't come back until September. And the next match we'll cover is all the way at Starcade. It's one of our last episodes. It's just bizarre run that Flair's had. It hasn't been great. He had some like decent matches with some young talent, and they're fine. But uh, like they were all just the same match, right? He doesn't fit. No. Like his his style doesn't fit the period. Like I know he had a kind of resurrection in WWE later on, but. That's because he'd kind of crossed over into into almost like a nostalgic kind of mentor kind of thing. Whereas he's still trying to come across like he's on the same par as a lot as a lot of guys a lot younger than him. Yeah, right. And yeah. It doesn't pers- really work. It's personified in this feud as well, right? Because yeah. he kind of compares himself. You're just, Brett, there's no way that you're telling me that. You know, all he names all the greats, and then he's like, you can't tell me that you're better than all of them, including me. It's like, hmm. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, probably. Like, I'm a newer wrestler. I, I do stuff that isn't just punching people. It, yeah, it's he didn't really fit in. There's this old story of before NWO. Uh, it, is it Bill Watts wants to make him into Spartacus? He wants to like, cut his hair and put him under a gladiator helmet. And obviously that gimmick isn't good. But people laugh because, like, why would you change Flair? He's so over because he wasn't. That 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 is a, that is a fact, and he still gets some reactions, especially when they go back down his way in the country. But he wasn't over; he wasn't drawing anymore. He's nothing compared to WCW at this point. I would argue people like DDP and Mid Carters like that are getting more of a reaction than Flair is. He, he's even not getting close to the reactions that Piper is, and Piper is doing nothing. So he needed a change, and I think what happens in. Um, in WWE is he goes back to a very kind of, uh, you know, wheeling, dealing, Rolex wearing. He does those kind of promos instead of these weird face ones that are like, Ooh, I'm great. And I'm a good guy, but I'm still going to cheat. It's not getting over with anyone. NWO basically does that without saying audibly that they're the good guys. And he gets to be an old kind of gangster when he gets his resurgent in WWE. But what is he now? He's just, he's no motive. at There's no motive to him. Wow. There's, Anytime he's got a bit of a storyline, it's like petered out. It's so sad when he comes back to because he brings his son into it. Oh, the David stuff. The David Flair stuff. I'm not oh. looking forward to that. And then oh, he has God. like his heart attack and stuff. Oh, my yeah. God. I- and the going disappearing into the desert and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. And the mental hospital. This is the stuff yeah. I saw as a kid. This is who the Ric Flair I saw. So I'm glad I got to see at least this run before it for a little context. And it's pretty much how I thought it actually would be. And yeah, I, I did not know he was this bland. I was like really looking forward. I'd only seen him in his like some of his like historic matches in WCW. I've watched like the Sting stuff and uh, isn't there Vader one as well? So I watched some of like old WCW stuff and the very new stuff in WWE like with Evolution. But I never watched this in between stuff, and I assumed he'd just be great. The, the roster's so stacked. How can he not be having amazing matches? And please, please tell me you've seen the Ricky matches. <laughs> I've not seen the Ricky matches actually. No. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I love Steamboat as well, and I've not actually watched the Ricky and uh, Flair matches. See, you watch Horseman stuff, but all the Horseman stuff is just nonsense that happens outside of the ring and promos. None of it is actually these like 
huge matches that he gets known for, the stuff like with Sting or whatever. It's just choking people out with ties outside the ring and some spine busters is what I know him for, for his old stuff. Go watch the Ricky matches. Yeah, we might have to cover those matches. Maybe maybe we can do that. Maybe we can do an actual flair appreciation. We can get some of his like really late matches that are really good and some of his really early stuff. And I'll take any excuse to watch the Sean match again. So. Yes, Sean match. He has some really good matches in that in that right later surgeons actually. Uh, he has one or two. <laughs> yeah, I've I've only seen the Sean match, so I'm, I'm yeah, I, I would like to go revi- revisit some some of the WWF matches too. So that'd be yeah, cool. It's just a really weird time period that we're in right now. You know, we're seeing a bunch influx of of new guys, but we also some of the staples that we've had they're they're going to be piecing out for a long time with Ray and and, and Flair. So just. Weird time, like WCW really needs really needs guys that are really the cornerstones of the company. And NWO is just they're they're too strong. Speaking of a strong NWO, we go into our main 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 event. Lex Luger versus Randy Savage for no title or no discernible backstory. But it's the main event. So it's a little old WCW versus NWO. That's the reason we're fighting. Just we're past the point where this is They've had the some confrontations, but it's all superficial nonsense. Confrontations. They've had matches on pay-per-view, Dave. Yeah, but I mean, we it watched to this one, right? I know, but like you say it like they just started this feud. We no. watched it already. <laughs> A million times. Yeah, but there's not, what I mean is like there's nothing new in the Thunders or anything. It's just all going through the motions. It's all, yeah, I'm, I'm from one faction here from the other. Grr. Right, and, um, and Macho's like kind of beef with the NWO, but so what you're saying is the storyline is away from this match. It's it's, it's nothing yeah. to do with building this match, and I, I love Buffer's intro. He says, two men who despise each other are ready to face each other." <laughs> <laughs> really got me excited for the match there. <laughs> Even Buffer's checked out. Like, <laughs> you've really described what the the dictionary definition of wrestling is, there, Bruce Buffer. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Uh, yeah, it's I have I have that noted as well. Honestly, I'm, we're going to run through the match a little bit, but for ages, my note on this match was Luger does Luger things, Savage does Savage things, the end. <laughs> was my note on this match for a very long time, but I decided to go back over it and uh, write a little bit more about it. It's backwards again, too, because at the, at just the entrances again, Luger does not get a great pop, and for some reason, Macho Man just gets pyro, like a shit ton. <laughs> like, yeah, so what's much. happening? Elizabeth always looks like she's not a wrestler at all. Like she's just like stumbled across this. She's walked backstage and like, oh, you're on, you're on. That's time to go. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she looks so confused. They're talking about her getting more involved in the matches, but they've been talking about that since she's been here. <laughs> like since she's been in NWO, they've been talking about that. Randy does uh, the runaway stuff like he always does and gets uh, Elizabeth involved. He, she's like blindsiding Luger all the time. She proper paintbrushes him. She proper slaps the, the crap out of his face, which I kind of loved. But this all leads to like uh, Randy mostly getting the upper hand. They brawl through the stands for about 10 seconds. They get back into the ring where, a ring where Luger has the upper hand and he's signaling for the, the rock, which the, the crowd still respond to. I never got why any crowd responds to it. It is the most boring submission move I've ever seen in my life. But uh, he signals for the rock and down comes Scott Hall with a chair. He's here to help his NWO buddy, but Hogan stops him from helping. Kind of, I don't get the logic behind this. I guess they're infighting a bit. 
I think Hogan just wanted to ask Scott where he got his awesome, awesome T-shirt. And that's really what's going on here. Hogan does just wear the same gear over and over. He does need some fresh gear, I think. Who doesn't want a random cat dressed in exercise gym gear with some dumbbells on? It's such a weird t-shirt, but it looks really cool. Do <laughs> you think it's an Ernest the Cat Miller t-shirt? Ooh, nah, I doubt it. <laughs> Where's that guy? Get this guy out here. Save WCW. <laughs> Come in to save Luger when he's karate. Where's, where's the blood run, run cold? I think it's gone stone cold at this point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so Hall gets up on the apron, but Hogan stops him, letting Luger push Savage into Hall to have him uh, bounce back into the rack for the win. That move must be excruciating because Randy gives up straight away. Yeah, this matchup was atrocious. It's pointless. It's a Nitro match again. We've said this several times. <laughs> Just, but it's even uh, worse because I, I get that their time was cut off. It's not their fault. But there's nothing pay-per-viewy about it. It's not even an extended Nitro match. It's literally the length of a Nitro match. It's so I looked away for a couple seconds. I was like talking to someone. I looked away from my screen. I went, balls, they're going to the finish. I had to rewind the match again. <laughs> <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> balls. <laughs> balls. I missed the whole match. I just assumed with how short it was that it was intentional for an angle but if, if same, it's because of same. Brett then that's hilarious <laughs> it is it is I only knew it after the fact because like in my notes I really like thankfully this was short it felt you know yeah. even Sting heads out it's the typical Nitro ending too yeah yeah. we got a big schmoz at the end we got a we get the NWO the, the entirety of the NWO as far as I can see unless IRS is still on the budget they beat down Lex, but Sting comes down to single-handedly clear the ring. We get the old buddies back together. Sting gets the Scorpion Deathlock on Hogan. While for some reason Nash, the biggest and heaviest of the NWO, has to take the rack uh, from uh, takes it quite well. To be fair, he does. But why, why are you picking Nash for it? He's so big. Pick one of the small guys. It's probably because probably because he knows he never takes bumps. So he's like, "You're up, brother. <laughs> yeah, come here, Nash." He's like, "No, I don't want to. Come here, Nash." <laughs> and they both stand triumphant in the ring with the NWO kind of disorientated and all over the place. WCW are kind of triumphant in this mean nothing match that means nothing. Seems to be a pattern. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and all the emphasis is on the NWO. Let's not forget another pattern. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I get they're doing the infighting, in but like, why is this main event not just one of the other two main events? Why is this ev- even on the card? You could have just done this at the end of another match and had Luger and Sting come out for the save or something. Most importantly, where was DDP? One of your most over wrestlers. He's not here. He was like he on was a in the He was in the Super Brawl ad, which we skipped over. Oh, we did skip over the Super Brawl <laughs> he was ad. Too busy, he was too Let's busy not being talk the about owner it. of a tattoo parlor, apparently. <laughs> I have nothing else to say about this match. Like it's worse than the average Nitro affair. Um, at least it wasn't a Hogan match, so I, I'll give it that. <laughs> yeah, nice. like it wasn't. It wasn't embarrassing. It's just yeah, it's by the numbers. It's just very lazy. It's just very basic. If you show me like five Nitro main events in a row and this, like I probably couldn't tell the difference. Honestly, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> As as we you know talk about the whole pay per view, it's just this pay per view was kind of it was enjoyable, but it's it's pretty it's a throwaway pay per view. It's so odd. I think it's actually really important for the company itself because of what seems to be going on, 
and where they're going. Because like we kept pointing out, only the NWO guys are getting reactions. So what are they going to do if that's what's happening? They're going to spend more time on the NWO, which means you're not going to spend time on the other guys. I think we'll see as we go along in the next couple of months that that's exactly what they do. The other thing that's really odd about this is not only the people not being on the show is most of the matches have clean finishes. Even more weirdly, they're all submission finishes. The more I think about it, actually. Yeah, there's a lot of like, submission finishes. I have that in my notes. Yeah. yeah. So like more than half the matches are clean. There's only one that's by DQ. Everyone else like wins the match, even if there's interference. It's really strange to see that. I wonder if it's because of certain individuals not being on the show that caused that <laughs> Maybe, to, yeah. to be like that. I don't always like trashing them because it's easy to look at a lot of this with hindsight and we know what happens and we can see their faults as they emerge. And it's not always easy to respond to them in the moment. I, I 100% get that. But some of it seems so easy. Like you just buried a bunch of your talent a couple of weeks ago like or, or a couple episodes ago, not weeks. That leads to only the NWO being over because you only kind of allowed them to be over. That allows anyone that thinks they're over to want to be in the NBO to sell more merch to be further over. So Dusty, I wouldn't be surprised if he just saw the writing on the wall of it. He's like, this is the big thing in wrestling. I kind of want to be part of it. To have this good antagonist, you also need a very good protagonist. WCW wasn't built up enough and they're starting to suffer already. And it's going to get way worse before it gets, well, it never gets better. (laughs) Well, it's interesting to look at this point in time because... A lot of the WCW wrestlers kind of point to this kind of in a couple months of where it really started to turn. They always point to Tyson being coming into WWF around this time, being like the moment, ooh, we're in trouble now. WCW, they're still doing really good business. This pay-per-view actually did a decent buy rate too. It's not like we thought that, oh, it's from Starcade, they're not going to be able to recover. No, they're, they're still doing pretty good. And yeah. it's, it's going to be fun to see their, their decisions reacting to Tyson and an underrated thing that we we've seen from this pay-per-view that we've I've kind of mentioned with, you know, with Flair is the the backstage morale is not high right now, particularly guys like Eddie Guerrero, who is not on the show, who just basically was, you know, this awesome champion has had the best matches in the last half of 97 is just kind of jobbed out. And now he's just kind of a nobody. And he has the, you know, the famous meeting with, with Bischoff, apparently he spills coffee on him, but who, who cares if that story is true or not, but still like, it's a general feeling that there's just, people aren't quite happy. So it's, it's gonna, it's only gonna get worse. It's, it's a double up, right? It's not only are people sick of management because they don't feel like they're being booked correctly. They're sick of the guys on top. So m- maybe not Hall, people seem to get on with Hall, but Nash and Hogan are hated by a bunch of people backstage. Uh, Eddie hates them. I didn't notice till recently when I was looking at back at some Eddie stuff, but apparently in Eddie's book, he's like, Eddie doesn't say a bad thing about anyone except Nash, who he just calls like a terrible human being because anytime they brought up something, anytime Eddie brought something up, they were called vanilla midgets. This is all joking aside, uh, something that a phrase that we jokingly say all the time, but it was like something that Nash came up with in the workplace. And can you imagine that? working your ass off as someone like Eddie or Jericho or Ray. And then when you go backstage and you pitch something or you overhear some of the guys talking and they refer to the openers as vanilla midgets that don't draw. You're like, wow, that must be a terrible place to work again. All all joking and all being a bit of a mark aside. If that was me, I'd be like, fuck you. I do not want to work here anymore. Yeah. I mean, on top of that, you've also the fact that 
there's a good, I'd say, four to five months worth of pay-per-views that have been taken up by guys who just show up and collect paychecks to do basically nothing like Piper and Dennis Rodman and Larry. I know Larry's not really that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. That's fine, whatever. But it's another guy that's stopping a younger guy from being on a show. So I think that's part of what you were you're getting at with the um, protagonist antagonist stuff as well in that they focused Nash and Hall as the, the two younger guys from the outside. And they were basically brought in and like what they should do is they clear out the older guys of WCW, like flair and stuff. And then you then have the next round of young guys to come up and be the ones to, fight them off or what whatever it is anyway but yeah, they just never spent any time on those guys apart from ddp and ddp's 40 anyway so he has like two years at best so another issue is they love their cheap pops so i think that hall and nash at this stage as much as i don't like nash should look like world beaters they should actually have secretly like barely have ever lost a match and like barely ever be like chased off and beatdowns no, just have Luger stick one of them in a rack. It's going to pop the fucking numbers. It's going to be great. Luger has definitely, definitely done well for every wrestling business he's been in before this, you know? It's just like really cheap post-pay-per-view pops to get these short-term spikes in not only pay-per-views, but ratings is a big one. And we talked about yeah. this at the start of the show. Let's pop the ratings on Nitro. Get them up. Fuck WWE. Well, what about our longevity? And what about developing new characters? And what about real poignant payoffs? Nah, just fuck them. That's what I'm talking about, the Tyson thing. It's it's yeah. going to really come to a head in the next few months. So it's, yeah, it's going to be fun to see. It's, it's not, Actually, it's not going to be fun, that fun to see, but uh, at least Thunder is going <laughs> to, the wrestlers are going to realize that it is uh, pointless and uh, they are yeah, not going to care about it. I never really got why the radicals and some of the others walked out of that company until I start researching more for this podcast. And now I ask myself why they didn't walk out sooner. Early. Yeah, that's yeah. what I say. I was like, and it's two years away before they show up, and you're like, wait, what? They, yeah. they stuck it out for two more years? Yeah, I can't believe I can't believe Eddie got himself so over after not getting crowd reactions. Was a great champion, had amazing feuds, and he doesn't really do anything else in this company. But they have no plans for these mid carters, and besides, as DDP, who else? Who else have they tagged as this guy can be a main eventer in a year or two? Well, Dave, remember you have to get the whiteboards out. Thunder's a problem now. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get that. I'm going to clip that. Clip that interview. Just to, like three circles. We got a pay per view, and a thunder, a nitro. That's three nitro. things. Yeah, that's three things. And then the pay per view. <laughs> Shut up, Kev. So another pay per view, and while it had a strong start, maybe a quite a disappointing end. But I guess that's all our pay per views in a nutshell. I have to ask you guys, starting with Gus, what side are you on after sold out 1998? Uh, I'm not going to bury the lead. It's Big Kev because I don't want to get killed by him. And if I'm on his <laughs> side, he won't powerbomb me. <laughs> I'll never have to take a jackknife if I'm in the NWO. <laughs> I mean, it, it, more seriously, it's it kind of has to be the NWO because nobody else matters. So, And Connor, same question. Whose side are you on? Yeah, no question. Gus is right. Although I'm going to go with the other half of the outsiders. I'm going to go with Scott Hall, number one contender. He's always, he always has awesome promos every week. As I keep saying, he just doesn't, even if it, his shtick is just the same survey promo, he continues to just kill it every time. It's still entertaining. Even though I, I know what's coming. 
But for some reason, he can just deliver the catchphrases more fun in a more fun, entertaining way than, say, something like Hogan, who just kind of seems like I have to get it in. Scott Hall, huge MVP. I am not looking forward to his downturn. No, God, no. That That is going to be grim to cover. But uh, on a brighter side, I am NWO too. But you've missed their most Whoa. important member, their new member. That's uh, the American Dream Daddy. Dusty Rhodes, bro. Oh, I thought you were going to go with Louis Spicoli. <laughs> Louis Spicoli, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, the American Dream going for the NWO. Him being more active in stuff that isn't just laughing at people beating each other up at ringside, you know? It's a bright new day for the NWO, and I'm glad that they've picked out their youngest most talented open-comer to bring into the heel faction for now. <laughs> He's got a strong future. He's got a strong future in the industry. I wonder how he ended up doing. But that is us for another edition of the WCW versus NWO podcast. Follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle WCW versus NWO podcast. Where else can they find us, Connor? Well, you can find us on Patreon. So if you want some more exclusive content, you can go to patreon.com slash WCW versus NWO podcast. We also have a Vimeo page where you can check out some exclusive videos. That's also under the same handle, WCW versus NWO podcast. From me, Connor and Gus, thanks for listening. And join us next time when WCW gets a little more British. (laughs) 